You are now listening to the Late to the Party Podcast. Welcome to Late to the Party Podcast. I'm Matt. We got Zach. We got Trevor. Zach, I just want to get started with you. How do you feel about Ohio State? I did. I had probably the worst sports weekend. It was I can say. I mean, we'll get more into it. Obviously, I do. You, do you want to start off with Ohio State Oregon? You want to go right into it? Or? Yeah, let's just, yeah, let's just let's start off with Ohio State Oregon. Why not? All right. I got a lot of things to say. So if you guys want to like interrupt and just kind of like chime off anything that I bring up, please feel I mean, free. You're an Ohio State fan, and I mean, just listening to the game, it just sounded frustrating, and I'm not even an Ohio State fan, obviously, so I want to, I want to hear straight from you. So I, before I dismantle everybody on Ohio State's side, I want to give my shout-out, obviously, to Oregon. Dude, they came into the game, and they played awesome. I mean, they they, they were in complete control of the game the entire time from the, from the first possession they took the field. I never felt like Ohio State had control of the game at all. Um, I mean, they completely ran the ball over. I mean, Mario Cristobal had that team ready, and it's even more impressive that they're, they're two of their better defensive players, one of them who might even be the number one pick in the draft, wasn't even there, um, and it didn't even matter for Oregon. It was just like they – it was a huge win for the Pac-12. I mean, everything that we said about them in week one, about the, the dumpster fire that the Pac-12 had in the first week of the season – and, you know, we'll get to USC later about how some of their programs and they just continue to let the conference down. I mean, that was a massive win for the Pac-12. So, you know, obviously it's, it makes me sick that they lost. But, you know, for college football purposes, I mean, it was huge for Pac, the Pac-12. So Yeah, like, um, just from, like, a hometown perspective, it's crazy that I didn't even realize the quarterback for Oregon played for BC. But yeah. Now I, but, like, now I remember seeing him a couple of years ago actually beat USC, which is kind of funny, but – I mean, again, you're just going to give the hats off to Oregon. Like, I was obviously driving to an average in the game. But it seems like every third down, like, like, they just converted like it was no big deal. And just, like, every time Ohio State, like, may, may, like scored a touchdown with some momentum, they would just come down the field and score again. It was just, like, they had all the answers for them. I'm sure you had great time because you got to go to Ann Arbor and see Ohio State lose a game while being in Ann Arbor. So that must have been fun for you. That was anytime Ohio State loses, it's great. Oh yeah. Go ahead, Trevor. Yeah, in a second. Thinking sometimes we get a little too enamored with conference affiliation. I know we were all dumping on the Pac-12 to begin with, but you know that just doesn't. You just can't assume all because Oregon's in the Pac-12. They're gonna lose. They're gonna choke. I mean, they did the exact opposite. I did not think they were gonna go into Columbus and do something that a road team has not done in four years, and that's beat the Buckeyes. Um, I was thoroughly impressed. I think Mario Cristobal, we don't give enough credit to him that he has teams who are very physical because he was, you know, he was a great offensive lineman in Miami himself. I think we sometimes fall to the trap of thinking Oregon's still like a Chip Kelly running gun, uh, running type of situation, like goes all flash and not enough muscle, but they were definitely the more physical team in between the trenches and, you know, I do remember that quarterback from BC. He was a pretty decent dual threat back in the day with them, but he did twice the end of the season with a torn ACL. So when I saw he had gone out to uh, to Oregon on a, as a transfer, I was like, oh, okay, maybe that's something. And, um, you know, he wasn't spectacular, but he was definitely, 
you know, he had good command of the offense, and he did what he had to do, and um, they held uh, the Buckeyes just enough at bay offensively to get it done. And, I, you know, I don't think there's any reason going forward why, um, you know, Oregon can't run the table here on out. I don't think there's any excuses. Not, I'm not saying they will, but on paper, the way they look, they don't have a letdown next week. And considering all the other teams that are kind of flawed in the conference, I could see them running the table all the way to the playoff. I think that's the one thing we brought up with the Pac-12, too, is because, like, my whole, like, standpoint at the end of the game, it's like, okay, well, if, if is Oregon going to win this game against Ohio State? Are they going to go out and they're going to prove once and for all that the Pac-12 is, like, turning this thing around? We're not a fucking afterthought anymore. We're, we're, we're legitimate. We're going to run the table. We're not going to have – we're not going to lay an egg – like on a 10:30 uh, p.m. game against like Oregon State or um, Arizona, you know, because that's typically like Pac-12 fashion, like USC did over the weekend. Um, so yeah, we'll see about that. But um, man, I'm just looking at my notes right now that I have that I just compiled for what I want to say about Ohio State. But I, I I don't even know where to begin to be honest with you. Do you want me to just go right in right now or? So like from for me from seeing Ohio State for two straight games like. I'm not really that impressed. Obviously, I'm a little biased from being a Michigan fan, but you're not being general, no, 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 you're not you're not, you're think, not being think, biased at all. I think they might be closer to like obviously it's not like ten and two isn't a bad record, but in college football you lose two games, you're not getting to where you really want to be. But I mean, I wouldn't really be surprised to see them get knocked off one more time before the season's over. I wouldn't be shocked one bit. No, I agree with that completely. No, you're not being biased. I. I said this last week on the podcast, too, because I was actually wanted to listen to what I had to say about the game beforehand. And I, I've said it all season. I knew it before the season that the defense was the one gray area that we were unsure of. And I was dead wrong to pick OSU because the defense at Ohio State is a massive issue. I haven't seen an Ohio State defense this bad since 2018. That was the season uh, Dwayne Haskins last year, um, where they weren't even lining up correctly at the end of the at the end of the uh, season. Like it was a week before that game where they they scored 60 on Michigan. They couldn't even line up correctly against Maryland. So that's why that game was even more of a like even more shocking. But the, the difference with that defense compared to the one we're seeing this year is there's no guy on the Ohio State defense. It's like an X factor. Whereas when you looked at like 2018, you had guys like Chase young on the field and you listen you look at him and be like okay this guy's a playmaker we can have him step up and make a play um that's gonna make a difference in the game i mean if you look at that first week outside of zach harrison's strip fumble and recovery by haskell garrett the defensive line's been completely ineffective they cannot get pressure on the quarterback they look so slow and so just beat yesterday against oregon um the front seven was just absolutely atrocious i mean players look confused the entire game it was constant finger pointing and you know like when when you look at that it's hard not to look at the coach and blame Kerry combs and i was freaking screaming my head off on saturday about combs because it's like these these guys that are on the defense are are four and five star talented guys. So you're not talking like, oh, this was a poor recruiting class. This Ohio State has a top five recruiting class each year. How the fuck are these guys not capable of running basic defensive schemes? And how are you as a coach who's recruiting them? You can't figure it out or make adjustments to make your players successful. So then he comes to the podium at the end of the game saying that he loved this scheme. Are you high, dude? How can you even say that you love the scheme? I'm looking at the stats in the game. First time since 1908 ever. The Big Ten started for Ohio State in 1920. First time since 1908, Ohio State has given up 30 points in their first two games. So, Kerry Coombs, go back to you, man. You love the fucking scheme so much. 
you're 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 being completely stubborn and idiotic if you think that's the case. Because the last five games of total yards allowed by Ohio State, Northwestern, 329, Clemson, 444, Alabama, 621, Minnesota, 408, Oregon, 505. That's an average of 461 yards allowed a game. You cannot be a top five team and allowing 461 fucking yards a game. That is disgraceful. Here's even more stats that are even more alarming. Total defense nationally right now for Ohio State, 112th. 13 out of 14th in the Big Ten. Scoring defense nationally, 108th. 12th out of 14th in the Big Ten. Rush defense nationally, 117th. Last in the Big Ten. And passing defense is 77th. So how can you sit there, Kerry Combs, and go to the podium and say you love the scheme and you love what you're bringing to the table, and I just read all those numbers out? I mean, it's disgraceful. It is. I mean – like I said, Anthony Brown, the entire game was eating a fucking five-course meal in the pocket all day. Oregon also scored a touchdown three times on the same play. They ran it to the left, and Ohio State didn't even make adjustment. They didn't do anything to fix it. So I'm like, you, the fans, and I'll get to CJ in a second, but like that, that just summed up the defensive play the entire afternoon. I mean, Zach Harrison, you're a five-star dude. I saw videos of him just looking completely out of place. And at one point, Oregon wasn't even blocking him in the game. Harrison was taking himself out of the game. It's embarrassing. I think it's a multifaceted issue right now with uh, the defense going on for the Buckeyes. I think we just assume that, you know, they've had the Bosa brothers come through. They've had Chase Young come through. You know, those guys are unique talents. Those are top 10 draft picks. Chase Young could be Defensive Player of the Year this year in the NFL. I mean, you just can't assume that, as you know, Zach Harris is just going to go and plug along. He's going to be the next guy. I mean, it's, you know, it's it's tough to uh, it's tough to get those NFL top 10 picks on your line constantly year in, year out. I think that's one problem. Maybe it's tough for them right now. Like you're saying, Zach, nobody can step up in the front seven. Maybe they don't have that next-level elite NFL talent at this point in time. Um and also, Coombs, I do agree. Like, Joel Klatt was bringing up a lot on the broadcast. They just were not making it. Dude, they were ripping him apart. Yeah, just um, too much man-to-man. You could see it. Like, they were getting picked off easily. I mean, at that point, you got to realize, hey, let's switch it up here a little bit. It's not working. And he just, like you said, he refused to do that. I think he kind of has his head in the sand a little bit, saying he thinks the defense is fine. They He has to look himself in the mirror because, obviously, it's trending in the wrong direction. I know – it's 2021. You're not going to be 86 Bears over here, shut everybody down, but you got to be better than bottom two in your conference overall defensively if you want to do anything elite. Um, you know, we talked about surprise firings this year. We already got one we're going to touch on in a minute, breaking news, but wouldn't be surprised if uh, Ryan Day has to cut bait with his defensive coordinator in a few weeks if this troubling trend is going to continue. And before you say something, Matt, I want to also bring this up real quick about Trevor's point. So I don't know how familiar you guys are with Kerry Combs, but Kerry Combs has been on the staff for a long time. He left for a couple of years ago to the Titans to do defensive stuff with Mike Vrabel. But this is a guy who is an excellent recruiter. He recruits very, very well. So I do think that's going to play a problem because Ryan Day was yelling at him on the sideline. There were cameras like they were arguing on the sideline, like because of what was going on, on the defensive side. I think it's going to be difficult to get Combs out of that position because of how well he's done recruiting him and Larry Johnson bring in some of the best defensive players. So I think, you know, it's not going to be easy for Ohio state to let this guy go. I think they're a little in over their head now that they promoted him this high. So, um, but I'll, I'll get into the offensive side in a second, but Matt, do you have anything to chime, uh, chime in about the defense? 
I mean, obviously, obviously you guys have more input because I, I was driving, didn't get a chance to watch the game. But, like, I do know I was listening on the radio. It did feel like every time Oregon needed a big third-down conversion, they got it. So it seems a little crazy to me that Ohio State wouldn't change their defensive structure at all during the game. Like, if it keeps working and working, like, the definition of insanity is, like, to try the same thing and expecting different results. Like, you can't – like, you're playing Oregon. You're not playing um, – Minnesota, like last week, like change it up. Like you got talent all over the field. Like, yeah, sure, it's not NFL talent, but you have real talent. Like use it. If you have to change up your defense, use it. Like do what you have to do to win. But like just doing the same thing over and over and again expecting you to stop Oregon, that's just stupid. It just sounds stupid. It's, it is. And I, I, I had a friend in the game that I went to college with, they were sitting there, there were a couple of them, they were texting me and, and there were fans bitching and complaining in the stands about how they should play Quinn Ewers or Kyle McCord instead. Instead, Listen, I get that CJ struggled. I get that. He, and I will make this point before I say anything else. He looks very, very nervous and unprepared to play top level college football. His throws are erratic. He threw high all game. He missed a big throw on the first on the first drive. And ended up leading to a fourth down not being converted, but it should have been a catch uh, and a touchdown for Ohio State. But I will say this: Ohio State also had key drops. Chris Olave dropped a touchdown. Jeremy Rucker dropped a touchdown, and they both led to Ohio State not converting on fourth down. Which you know you want to talk about? People are complaining about Ryan Day going for it on fourth down and stuff. It's like, well, when you have a rookie quarterback and he's not playing confident enough, you're going to have to instill some confidence in him to move the football. So I understand why Ryan Day is going for it on fourth down. But at the end of the day, C.J. Stroud's 19 years old. And I think a lot of people, especially Ohio State fans and Clemson fans, have developed uh, a sickness, which I like to call Alabama syndrome, which is plagued fans because they're used to a guy coming in immediately, like Trevor was saying about guys like Chase Young and Nick Bosa, they're used to people coming in immediately and just playing like to a level like Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields as soon as they get there. Those guys were some of the biggest recruits of the last 20 years. They're special, talented guys. You can't expect this four-star quarterback to come in there and think that he's just going to run the table. And, you know, if he does, then you struck gold and that, that's your guy and you, and you lucked out. But, I mean, CJ's got a lot to work on. I mean, he, he looks nervous. His throws are erratic. The read option, I don't know if you weren't watching this, Matt, is terrible. CJ refuses to keep the ball and run it. So every time Oregon knew the option was running, they just ran all to the running back because CJ won't hold on to the ball. So the body language for him is telling, you know, I, they play Tulsa and Akron next. So I hope to God, like, those teams will give him a chance to, like, you know, take some time to – work on some things and get a little more confidence in his throws. But man, that's a uh, Ohio state's there. They got talented guys on the offense that are good enough, excuse me, to play with anybody, but that defense uh, is nowhere near the competition towards the top. I mean, they would, they, they would lose, they would lose to everybody in the top 10 right now with that. So defense. I got to ask you as an Ohio state fan, I'm, I'm just watching this play that everybody like Ohio state fans apparently think should be targeting. Like, how do you, yep. do you think that was a targeting? I think it has the the tan, like the tangibles to be targeting, but at that point, like Ohio State's in, you shouldn't be in that position in the game, you know, where you're relying on a penalty call to bail you out. Ohio State had so many chances in that game to take the lead. I get it. People are upset about that. They're they're even more upset about the Thayer Mumford uh, holding call that took back a third down conversion that ended a drive for them, which would have tied the game up. So like you want to, and then there was another pass interference where Olave got tackled in the end zone, which I was actually surprised they didn't throw the flag on. 
But like when you get to the point where you're relying on the penalties in the game, unless it's like like a, a battle where both teams are competing, and then you looked at like, you know, for a couple of years ago, for example, that fumble call in the Clemson Ohio State game that was returned for a touchdown. That is bullshit, and that's exactly what will screw a team over. But anything that happened in the game yesterday, I mean, I can't really make excuses. Ohio State wasn't the better team. Oregon played better all game. Now, I'm not making any excuses for that. Like, I, I, I kind of feel the same way. If you're a fan, like, in the moment, I'm sure you're pissed. But if you think about it the next day, the day, two days later, like, if you're relying on a missed penalty call to be the reason you lose, then you really didn't deserve to win in general. And, like, right. from, the, from what I saw in the game and the replays and just, like, listening to it on the radio, it sounded like Oregon won the game more than, like, not in, like, saying the referees lost you the game isn't even in the discussion. I said at the end. The last thing I'll say about it is this. Oregon was the better team. They played better. Ohio State's got a lot to work on, or they're going to have a long season. All right, you guys want to move on to – let's move on to the other impressive team, which is obviously in the Big Ten with Iowa with the big win over Iowa State. What What is your guys' thoughts on that one? Well, I just think we talked about in the first episode, I believe, Kirk Ferentz, 23rd year in the coaching college football as a head coach. He's the longest-tenured guy in the country for D1, even longer than Saban, you know, because he went to Miami for that before cameo. Um just think the guy's rock solid. He's as solid as the rock of Gibraltar as a head coach. You're not going to get flash and dash from him, but you're going to get just grind it out, take advantage of whatever little talent you have. Just those guys always play up to their level of talent. Um, you know, tough game going into the, the visiting uh, Iowa State Stadium. Um, just the game was never really in doubt. You know, beginning was kind of close, but then they just did the ground and pound like they always do. They pulled away. I think Iowa has a very dangerous team in the Big Ten this year. I'm not saying they're elite, obviously, but that's that's a team that's gonna gonna rack up a lot of wins this year, and you got to really look out for they're they're in the elite class in the in the conference. I think. I think there's a legitimate shot that Iowa can run the table. I think they they have one game this year that's going to be really really the two games probably that are tough. They have at home. They're at home against Penn State on October 9th. Which, if you ever know, if you're a big like Big Ten guy like me and Matt are, you know playing in Iowa is a nightmare. I mean, we both had both our schools have had terrible losses in the last four years playing there. Um, and then they go on the road to Wisconsin on on the 30th. So you know those two games alone. I mean, if they're able to get out of those and win, I think. I mean, I, I think Iowa is almost a shoe in at this point. They're definitely the best team in the West. They definitely can get to Indy uh, for the Big Ten championship game. Um, they were very impressive. I mean, we talked highly about them last week, but my whole thing with Iowa is what Trevor was saying is the whole ground and pound thing. Like you play to your level, but is it going to be good enough to beat those teams in the college football playoff? I think that's what everyone's kind of like wondering about in terms of like, when you look at the school, like Iowa, it almost feels like the whole situation from Michigan state, like five years ago, they were good enough to play on the level with everybody in the big 10, but then they got down to the uh, football playoff game and they went down to Dallas and played Alabama and Alabama just ran them off the field. You know, I, I want to see like if if I was good enough to, you know, have a team like a Georgia or a Bama or Oklahoma play to their level, it'll be interesting to see. But right now I don't know, but in terms of big 10 football, they're definitely, 
they they got to be the favorite to win the Big Ten right now. Uh, I would I would I would say. I mean, I I know I'm talking over my head right now because like Ohio State had that bad loss, but you know Ohio State's got a ton of things to figure out. They got to play some tough. They still got to play some tough in conference games. And to me, Iowa's got a more favorable schedule and an easier uh, path to the Big Ten championship game. So it'll be interesting <laughs> to see. It's, it's crazy though to think, right? Because we're we're talking about like firing Ohio State's defensive coordinator after two games, but this coach for Iowa has been a coach has been the uh, coach for them for 23 years. Like that l- literally doesn't happen anymore, especially if your team isn't like a national championship contender every year. I mean, how I feel about Iowa. I mean, they have two good wins. I mean, they beat Indiana, which I thought was overrated in general. Uh, they beat Iowa State in state rivalry. That's a good win. But I feel like Iowa is always one of those teams who's going to like lose the game they shouldn't in the like. I could definitely see them beat Penn State and then like lose to Purdue the next week. That's like, I how could I easily right. see that. I, I, could I easily agree see completely. That. But then I they uh, they have then they have Wisconsin. Like I could see them beating Wisconsin and like losing to Northwestern because it's Northwestern Super Bowl. Like I just that's how I feel about <laughs> Iowa. Yeah, I mean, let's not put Iowa in the playoff yet. I mean, I like the way they started. They might have taken advantage of some overrated competition in the first two weeks. We'll see. Um, I think there'll be a factor, like Zach said, I think they're the favorite right now to win the West. I just think the West is always part of the reason why it's so wide open every year, because I feel like you get that one team that gets a kind of favorable conference schedule and they take advantage of it. I do think this could be, potentially be the case here with Iowa. Like you say, they could get tripped up any given any given Saturday by one of those teams we just mentioned, but at the same time, I don't think they're, I don't think they're looking at the schedule and uh, shaking in their boots for anybody necessarily in the regular season, so... You know, we'll see what happens. Big Ten West is always kind of a crapshoot. Um, you could pick any one of a few teams. I do think Iowa's the favorite, though, just because of their consistency, the way they ended the last year. They kept the momentum going, and um, I just don't want to bet against Kirk Ferentz. I, mean, I, w- I would agree with that. I guess if you're just looking at it from, like, two weeks into the college football season, they're definitely an impressive team, and they deserve the praise. Um, I mean, I wouldn't call them the – I still think Ohio State is the class of the Big Ten, but – I mean, Iowa State's right there with them. So what I'm – but what I'm also saying is I'm not eliminating Ohio State from the playoff or anything. All I'm saying is that I think that Iowa's path right now to the Big Ten Championship is probably the easiest that they've got. Considering – you don't agree with that? No, I definitely agree with that. I agree with that. I was going to say, because I really think that, like, other than Wisconsin and Penn State, those are both teams that don't have high-powered offenses, and they both have quarterbacks right now that aren't really, like – they're not like if, if you were playing a team where I feel like they, they were coming in, like I'd be more worried for Iowa if they had to go on the road and play Ohio State later on in the season, because then you're talking about like, OK, well, is that defense going to be able to keep them if they if it gets to a point where it's like a shootout? You know, can the two can can Iowa keep up in a shootout where you're scoring 30, 40 points a game? Because sometimes that happens. And I'll bitch and complain about the Ohio State defense. But, you know, a lot of these big dogs that end up making it to the playoff at the end of the year, they have guys on the offensive side that if you're not will, if you can't put up big numbers, you're going to get completely smoked. So I think that's my only bone to pick with Iowa. Their defense is top caliber. I mean, that's it's been proven the last two years. Anytime you, in college football you hold somebody under twenty-five points, that's in, that's incredible. Let alone twenty-four games in a row. So, yeah. So I think we can move on to a topic that will all please us. How much USC just continues to be the light at the end of the tunnel for us? Like this freaking team, all the hype. 
all the hoopla, like everyone's like, this is the year for USC. Like they're going to make it into the top 10. They'll make it to the playoff. Then they go and get a stinker against Stanford. I love to see it. Oh, man. I just, yeah, stunning that. I mean, it leads to Clay Helton. We hardly knew he uh, packed his bags. He's at the airport. Uh, nice guy, but nice guys finish last sometimes. And, um, you know, he dodged the bullet a couple of years ago. It was kind of a similar situation where people scratched their heads with Jim Harbaugh coming back. People definitely scratched their heads when Clay Helton came back. I think us Notre Dame fans were happy with that move that he, when he came back. Um, we kind of couldn't figure out why. And then you had the pandemic last year. I understand you kind of, you know, everybody gets a free pass for that just about, which is understandable. But, yeah, just when you think, all right, USC's got some talent this year. They might have a quarterback finally. You know, Stanford lays a stinker the first week of the year against a crappy uh, Kansas State team where I was wondering if David Shaw might need to move on from Stanford. And then, you know, if they pull that, what we talked about, Zach, before, that one game a year, they lose. They had no business losing at home. And, boom, happened out the, late overnight. Uh, I woke we up didn't even night, have to wait until halfway into the season before it happened. <laughs> when, when, you went the first conference game of the year, and they, they got trounced by a mediocre Stanford team at home. I cannot, couldn't believe it. But this is but this is what I'm saying about like this is why I'm I think it makes me more sick that Ohio State lost to Oregon because Oregon still the last few years has been this USC type team where there's a ton of hype about them coming into the season and then all of a sudden it's eleven o'clock at night and everyone on the East Coast is ready to go to bed and Oregon's about to take the field in Tucson, Arizona against the Wildcats and oh what do you know they lost on the road. So that's what scares me at this point in the season. Dude, like Trevor was saying, this Kansas State team is not good. And they just lost by three they, – they lost by three touchdowns the week before. Um, they Wait, didn't they play San, the, to Stanford? Yeah, Stanford lost to them easily. Like. By three touchdowns. And at one point in this game, USC was down going into the fourth quarter 35-13. to 13. I mean, I, I, I just – yeah, I taught. I mean, uh, Helton never felt like he was the guy, anyways, for USC. I mean, if you're USC, you you gotta have a coach in there with a brand name, and that's the whole reason why the whole thing with Harbaugh staying in Michigan at least made sense. Yeah, he wasn't like getting the wins that Michigan want, but at least Harbaugh is like a recognizable name, and you're still having that in Michigan. So like, there's a little chance that you could possibly get some top players. Like, I'm looking at some of the top recruits in California. We already talked about this on our first show. I mean, you had Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, and uh, D.J. Uolongale, all from California, that decided to play at three schools on the other side of the fucking country. And you're talking now USC can't recruit and get guys there. I mean, Slovis, man. Oh, my God, dude. How disappointing has he been? I mean, I remember people in the offseason last year, I don't know if they got drunk and decided to put a blog post out one night after a heavy night of drinking saying that he might have been a contender for the Heisman. I mean, that's, that is ridiculous. Um, I had it in my notes this afternoon as I was preparing on my break. I said it was hard to believe that Helton survives the season. Little did I know he wouldn't even survive the day. So, yeah, I don't no man, USC dumpster fire. They're like, they're, and we'll talk about Texas in a little bit too, I guess. But man, they're, they're, they're. Uh, <laughs> you mean the, you uh, like the me, week one win against San Jose State didn't put him in the playoffs? No, it didn't. And you know, USC, USC was back for six six days. I won't even call them back. That was a very pedestrian thirty to seven win over San Jose State. So um. I guess I give the USC brass credit right here that they cut. They finally cut the corn now. They didn't want to wait it out and that see uh, 
It's either this guy just a dead man walking kind of situation. Um, you know, put the interim coach in now, see what you can do, and kind of send the message that hey, we got to get up, we got to get back on the map here. We're USC. We got to be showing every, showing the fan base and the alumni that we're committed to this thing. We can't. We, it's not acceptable losing to Stanford like this and just having you know, like you say, talent rich. Uh, LA in your backyard, and you, you, this is this is what you're putting out there. It is unacceptable. I mean, I hate to say the Trojans are my, are arch rival, being a Notre Dame guy, but there's no excuse why they shouldn't be a national power. So, um, with that being said, it's going to be interesting to see the candidates coming forward. Um, do we do we dink around? If you're USC, do you dink around with these, you know, these uh, James Franklins, these Luke Fickles, Jamie Chadwells, or do you? Do you go where I think we're, we all are, are curious to go after one game down to, down to that uh, Florida panhandle and, and get that guy who seems in over his head in the NFL? I think Luke Fickle's the favorite right now. And the reason why is because the AD that was at University of Cincinnati that hired him at the UC job is now the AD at USC. So I think that it's there's a lot of trending um, talks that it might be like – if, I think if Luke Fickle finishes the season strong at UC, there's the potential that he would de- definitely be a top candidate there. Um, I'm reading tweets right now. Um, so early list, this is Pete Thamel. He thinks these are the, these are the leading uh, candidates. James Franklin, Matt Campbell, Bill O'Brien, Luke Fickle, PJ Fleck, Mario Cristobal, which I do not think is happening. Mario Cristobal will not leave Oregon to go to USC. Um, Greg Schiano and uh, Tony Elliott. And then they also mentioned Chris Peterson, uh, who was at Washington last year. And get this one, Bob Stoops. Mm, uh, uh, Bob Stoops wouldn't be the worst choice. I mean, certainly would bring in the uh, the buzz of a big name, but Zach being the Ohio State guy, do you think any chance uh, Urban Meyer's going there? I mean, that's what I, te- I I just texted my brother this 30 minutes ago. I said I would not rule it out. <laughs> I don't think you can. Uh, I, I How come I can see uh, Jaguars going 1-16 this year, right? Urban is in over his head in the pros. He runs Trevor Lawrence into the ground. He takes off for 3,000 miles away and turns USC back into a national contender. No, but he's going to have an underlying health issue first, then he can leave. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, and then, you know, he gets the heart back on track, and, hey, that's, the the doctor will prescribe that sunny Southern California weather, so that'll be, that, that'll cure any old, any old. I mean, would it be more of a win-win situation, though, if Urban Meyer literally just, like, woke up and was just like, yeah, I have a health concern, took the air off, and then went to USC? Not only would it be good for Urban Meyer, it would also be good for the Jaguars. I mean, right. I could see it happening. I mean, look, Randy Edsel, he, he you know, he did it right away. You didn't pull around. USC's I mean, not pulling around. Clay Helton, like, maybe uh, maybe the Khan family says, all right, we, we tried it, Urban. It's not going to work. You have a health issue. you got to step away just uh, for a few months until you can take that USC job. So. Like, exactly. Look at, Nick, look at Nick Saban. Nobody remembers that you sucked in the NFL. Just, like, admit you did wrong. Don't fucking if – you, if you, not everyone's meant to be an NFL coach, that's okay. Just be a boss in the, in the college football ranks. That's okay with me. Right. <laughs> well, I guess if we had to handicap it, Matt, being the gambling guy, who, who you got for favorites here with the top, maybe top three candidates taking over that job? Taking over the Jacksonville job? No, taking over the USC job. Taking over the USC job. I might, if, but if they could get Bob Stutes to take over that job, that would be crazy. But, I mean, I would not, I would literally not be surprised if they just named, I, this is my prediction, they're going to name an interim coach off of their 
off of their uh, coaching staff right now, and Urban Meyer will be back next year. It's too makes too much sense because USC is obviously in California. Shit ton of recruits. You bring Urban Meyer there, all of a sudden the recruits are coming back to California, that- staying in California. I just think I think that would be the perfect situation for him. He'd almost be stupid not to do it. He should have I- done it to begin with. He should have never went to the Jaguars. He should have waited. He should have taken the USC job. I wouldn't have taken the Texas job like people thought he was going to go down there and do. Um, you, But I agree with you, Matt. I think that, like – then the amount of talent that's in California, you get a guy like Urban Meyer who who is a proven winner and can recruit well and develop well at the college level. I mean, he turned that pro he turned that program around. So um, yeah, I know we're, I know we talk about college football here, but like you're throwing with Trevor Lawrence in his first game 50 times. Like I get that's how the game goes, but like you gotta have a better plan than that. He's not only is Trevor Lawrence skinny, he's a rookie quarterback. He's gonna get fucking killed out there. Yeah, that was that was, and they didn't just play a, a good team in the NFL. They played the Houston Texans, who are just a, a, a dumpster fire engulfed in flames, like like beyond beyond a dumpster fire. So a couple Danny of, Amendola scoring touchdowns on you. Oh wow! A couple of uh, real quick, me pulling coaches out of my ass for USC kind of thing. Uh, you know, if it happens to go south in Arizona this year, probably won't. But if it does, maybe uh, Cliff Kingsbury gets a call to go to USC, and I could see him. Going over there, or even we talked about Bob Stoops, or maybe the guy who took over from Lincoln Riley, you know. Yeah, and the way the Arizona Cardinals looked yesterday, I don't think Kingsbury's going anywhere. Yeah, I mean, again, this is me talking on my ass. It's probably not not going anywhere, but I guess if you're trying to go for a home run higher at USC, you already got to start thinking outside of the box. Um, Other than that, you might be just a retread of these same old mediocre coaches. I mean, do they go back? Do they go back to Lame Kiffin again? Do they go back to Edward (laughs) Geron again? Do they go back to Steve Sarkeesian again? I mean, this is very critical coming Uh, up. No, Sark can never go back to USC ever. Like, I think his like, I mean, we we all know how bad that was when he was there. It was not even let alone like his coaching. It was just his uh, his drinking problem was bad there. So I don't I I don't see that happening. But yeah. I think those are all valid, though. And there are a couple of them that would be interesting. If you're USC, you you you, you got to learn from your state. You can't get an interim coach and just decide that he's going to be the one to take over the program. You're LA. You're a big market. You want to salvage kids from California. You got to bring in a big name. I don't know. Freaking bring in Snoop Dogg for God's sakes. Bring him in. He'll he'll be a better coach. Well, like and, uh, like a Reggie Bush kind of situation. Bring in like you know Deion Sanders went to go coach. I mean. I don't know, isn't that what, you know, you, I hate to spring in college basketball, it might be apples and oranges, but, you you know, these coaches like a Penny Hardaway, Jawan Howard, bring in a flashy alum who, and somebody could teach them how to coach it up. I don't know, like, maybe a Reggie Bush-Matt Liner kind of situation. Hey, speaking of Matt, before we move on to the next topic, the top recruit in the country uh, is cornerback, Domani Jackson. He committed to USC and now, and just a month ago announced that even though he's committed, he's taking official visits to Ann Arbor and Columbus. I guarantee you that guy's going to flip. Oh, absolutely. I mean, being in the big house in that environment after seeing that game, he's definitely going to flip. And then after not even just that game, after seeing the coaches recruit, you just got canned. You don't know what's happening. Well, next, exactly. So. I mean, that's the thing that is tough for recruits. I mean, the, the guys who are recruiting you are getting fired midseason. So, I mean, it's just like it's an easy decision for them to make. Obviously, that's not a stable environment in USC. So, I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of their recruits flipped after this. going to be tough. So, this is a perfect transition into my trip to Ann Arbor, which was freaking amazing. Tell us all about it. 
Have you been, Zach? Have you been to Ann Arbor? I've never, I've never been up to Ann Arbor. Um, I, uh, I, I tried to make a trip up there one year, but uh, I, I've been to Ohio State, Michigan when it was in Columbus. I went to the 2014 game. Um, so I've been to the game before, which is a fucking awesome experience being down there. Um, but I've always wanted to go up there. Absolutely. Just because it's like one of those, like, you know, it's like college football lore. It's like one of those stadiums you need to go see. It's up there with Notre Dame, uh, Penn State, um, uh, Bear, uh, I mean, uh, what's it, Alabama field. I can't even think of the name of it is. But, uh, you know, it's one of those like, like historic like college football stadiums. I mean, like any, any person that wouldn't want to go up there as a fan of the of college football is just crazy to me. Um, we, so we flew in, we flew in Friday to Cleveland. We stayed overnight. We stayed like spent a few hours in Cleveland, went to a couple of breweries over there. Like Cleveland is actually, I thought Cleveland was just like a shit city. They actually have some like cool places in Cleveland, which is very surprising. I was surprised too, because the last time I went to Cleveland, I was not impressed, but I know that uh, the downtown area near Quicken Loans arena where uh, the Cavs play, They've invested a lot of money in it down there because of the whole when LeBron was there. So, <laughs> so then we uh, we drove to Ann Arbor. We got to, to Ann Arbor probably around like three. We hit some breweries, and it's wild because we parked at a hotel, so we didn't have to like park near the stadium. We took like a bus in, and the stadium is so fucking packed that you can't even get cell service. Like we had to have my sister-in-law text us pictures of our tickets just so we could get into the stadium because nobody had cell service. So, like, we were sitting outside the stadium, and I'm just like, holy shit, I'm actually here. And then we walked in, and which was kind of surprising, is there are a lot of Washington fans there. But, I mean, I guess I guess if you see Michigan on your schedule, if you're a big college football fan, like, it's probably a place you want to go. And then just getting into the stadium, I was just like, I literally put myself one way the whole game. I was just like, I'll take a couple pictures, but, like, fuck this. I'm just going to, like, enjoy the experience. It was yeah. like, it did not disappoint. I agree. The, the cell service, just in comparison, when I, every game I went to Ohio State, I never could call or text anybody. It's always terrible there, especially like 100,000 people. But from watching the game, Matt, I couldn't even tell that Washington fans are even there. The maze out was so bright. I couldn't see any purple or any like Washington fans at all. So it's kind of surprising that that's something that I would even have noticed uh, watching the game at home, how many fans, like if they traveled well or not. So. The experience in general is just so wild. It's just like, I'm so happy I did it. But like, if we transition to the game, I just want to apologize to Jim Harborough for one day because he finally brought back the offense that I want to see. Like, stop with this fucking, like, long throws down the field, like, Hail Mary offense. Just grind the ball. That's all you need to do. Just grind, grind, and grind. And that, he stuck with it against Washington. I mean, I know Washington is not this great team. They've obviously lost to Montana. But it was nice to see, like, okay, we have a direction that we're going in. Like, I know we only had 55, what, 45 passing yards, 44, something like that. I don't care. We control the ball on the ground. You let your defense, you let your defense handle business. Just, like, do what works. You don't need to be, like, every other college offense and throw it 50 yards down the field every other play. Go ahead, Trevor. Do you have any input? Yeah, I mean, so Washington's obviously team dead on arrival. They, that was disappointing, the effort they put up. But, yeah, man, like you're saying, you said a couple weeks ago you wanted an identity from Michigan. We have it again. This is what Jim Harbaugh, this is what brought you to the dance, quote-unquote, you know, in the big house and worked in Stanford, worked in San Francisco, ground and pound, uh, you know, under center, that big two tight end set, single back, 
and just run it down people's throats. That's what's working. Go with it. You know, you have to find your identity again. This is his identity. I'm not saying they're going to light the world on fire this year, but they need progress. I told you at the first podcast episode, I'm not giving up on Jim Harbaugh. I just think he needs to find his mojo again. Boom, this is how you find your mojo again. You found the quarterback, go and play action, pound it 80, you know, 70, 80% of the plays, you know. Do what you got to do, get physical in the trenches, win the old-fashioned way because that, that's your identity. You can't afford to be anything else right now other than that because nothing else is going to work with this Michigan team. I will say this about Michigan. Uh their pass defense is still a little iffy. Uh, the Dylan Morris had a pretty good game um, against them. But I will say this about Michigan as well. I mean, if Michigan played Ohio State yesterday, they definitely would have beat them considering how much they ran all over the field. I mean, when you're at, you have two running backs averaging 5.7 and 8.1 yards a carry, I mean, nothing but good things are going to happen. So why even throw the football? Why even, like, chance it? So, I mean, the game plan worked for them, obviously. Um my whole thing with Michigan right now is that I know a lot of people are getting excited about them because, you know, they're one of the blue blood programs and you want them to be good and it's good for college football. But um, when you look at Michigan, you're going to have to, I still think Cade McNamara is going to have to throw the football in order for them to actually contend for like in big games. So if they play Penn state, a team that has a very, very good defense, I think if they can't run the football, I think they're going to have trouble. But other than that, I mean, I, like I said, so far first two games, like they haven't looked like the Michigan team the last two or three years, but they've come out sluggish and no like mojo whatsoever. Um, I told you last week, Matt, I said Michigan was going to win by two touchdowns or more. They ended up winning by three touchdowns. Felt really good about that pick. Um, and I'll get into my pick later because they, they got a, a, a non-power five coming next week with Northern Illinois, which even though they lost last week, they're, they're, they're a pretty good football team. So, you know, hopefully they continue to keep trouncing on them. It'll, 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 it'll uh, build some confidence for them and, you know, go from there. But, you know, running running it, uh, the football is definitely not an issue for Michigan. They, they got some solid dudes back there running the football. I definitely agree that Mastermire is going to have to throw the ball eventually. But, like, just again, from my perspective, like, Habar's tenure has been disappointing, to say the least. And it's just good to see that he's actually coming out with an identity. And, like, obviously it sucks to see Ronnie Bell get hurt, but it's almost like that forced him to, like, go back to his roots and be like, all right, we're going to be a ground-and-pound team. We're going to grind these wins out. They're not going to be pretty. Like, to get, like, Washington, like Michigan won 31-10 to 10 against, like, against Washington, like, it wasn't a pretty victory, but they did what they had to do to win. They broke off long runs, and they took care of business on defense. Like, I'm sure you can't do that against every team, but, like, it was good to see for a week. Yeah, can't say anything better about Michigan. I mean, like, like I said, they want, they do what they needed to do. So. All right, what do we got, uh, what do we got next here? What, what topic do you guys want to bring up next? <clears throat> I guess I could um... – Go on my little Notre Dame rant for a few minutes. Um, I won't Go spend, for too, it. I won't spend uh, too much time on that. But. No, I'm ready for it. I mean, yeah. again, like again, I was driving a lot, traveling a lot. I didn't catch a lot of a lot of the games, but I, I mean, I caught the end of the Notre Dame game, and I'm like, what the hell are they doing like this against a team like Toledo? Like, I was very surprised to see that score. Yeah, I mean, first week against uh, FSU, I I came close to saying it's a loss. Felt like a loss, but I didn't go there. I am 100% going there this week. I know they're 2 0, but it felt like a fucking loss against a mediocre ass. You know, I guess they're going to be one of the better teams in the MAC, Toledo, but come on, it's supposed to be the easiest game on your schedule. So let's see. Through two weeks, you faced a 
pretty bad Florida State team after seeing what they did against Jacksonville State. All right, so you beat them by three. I know it's a very emotional game, whatever. And now you come back at home, first home game of the season, and you beat a MAC team by three. So two of the easier teams on your schedule, you squeak by three points. This is, you know, rightfully they fell out of the top ten. Thank God this game was only on Peacock, and half the country didn't have to see it because of just pathetic uh, excuses <laughs> showing in your home opener. Um, all of a sudden, we don't have a quarterback maybe now because Jack Cohn, he, he regressed big time to the fact where they had to put in a freshman, Tyler, Tyler Buckner, um, kid from California, dual-threat guy, but at this point he's more of a runner than a passer. Jack Cohn's, Jack Cohn's a statue back there. It's not his fault. His offense like, sucks. He got stacked about six or seven times against Toledo. Like I know you got four new starters on the D on the O line. I knew the O line was going to take a little bit of a step back. Come on, you're Notre Dame. You're supposed to be pumping out good offensive linemen every year, and this is the crap you throw out on the field. You can't handle a MAC defensive line. Like, like forget about the playoff. Like, let's not even go there. You would get eaten alive by Georgia's defensive line if they played tomorrow. It would be would it be it would be an ugly massacre. So I'm not going to spend too much more time on this. Um, you know, I love our tight end, the best in the country. Other than that, this is looking like a four-loss team, and I, and I think they're going to lose to Purdue this week. I honestly do. So. I, I mean, I do think it's pretty cool that uh, you saw on TV the QB just get his finger, like, popped back together, and then he just throws the TD pass the next play. Yeah, I mean, props to him for leading the team down, and they finally finally got the drive at the end they needed because I, I was ready to come on here and say, my God, we actually lost to freaking Toledo. Um Michael Mayer, you know, he, they're going to rely on him a lot. He's the best tight end in the country, two tight, two touchdowns. I think they're already relying on him too much. You saw on that pick six from Cone, he uh, stared down Mayer the whole time, threw it his direction, that was just telegraphed all the way. I think Notre Dame would be better off using him as, as a decoy a little bit more going forward. Um, so defense, man, I know you lost some players. There's been some injuries. and you know, I don't know about this Marcus Freeman. Uh, hasn't Hasn't been that great so far, so I think – I don't know if they can clean it up. Um, they got a lot of work to do. I'm very concerned about the O line. I'm very concerned about the defense right now. So um, I just think there's at least three, four losses coming down down the pike. I think the uh, the biggest highlight of the year is going to be when Brian Kelly does pass uh, Newt Rockney for most wins coming up in a few weeks. But other than that, um, you know, this is not a playoff team at all. This is not a top team, ten team at all. They're getting exposed by the week. From a, I mean, from a neutral perspective, I will see how it could be underwhelming against a Notre Dame fan. Like, losing to, to like, I mean, uh, barely beating Toledo on the last drive. And it, and the season looked a little more underwhelming in a game they didn't play in when Florida State lost to Jacksonville State. So, I mean, only beating them by three points and almost letting them back in the game. I mean, both of those, I mean, both of those wins, I mean, they're not losses, but they don't look very good. So, I mean, that stretch against Wisconsin, Cincinnati, Virginia Tech is, like, that much more important where you, if you're looking at maybe a playoff, you're going to have to get some style wins in there, unfortunately, yeah, with some blowouts. And I don't I don't think this team has it in them. Yeah, let's not kid ourselves. You're not putting Notre Dame in playoff in the same sentence this year. It just is what it is. Trevor, if I manage money for Ohio State University and I allowed to, you know, like hire people, I would drive to South Bend, Indiana right now and go right into Marcus Freeman's office and give him a blank check. And I just say, sign right here. You're the defensive coordinator, whatever money you want. That's how desperate I am for a defensive coordinator right now or somebody just to ignite something. Um, I didn't catch much of the Notre Dame uh, Toledo game because I was too busy contemplating whether I wanted to drink a bottle of whiskey and jump in the Taunton River. But I ended up seeing some of the high <laughs> seeing some of the highlights uh afterwards um 
I mean, and Toledo's had some pretty big wins over some Power Five teams the last like ten years. So it's not like a program where it's like a complete embarrassment. You know, like I'll, I think we'll go into Florida State uh, later on in the show, which was bad enough, but. I like I said, Notre Dame is just kind of like you know it is what it is for them this year. They lost a lot of guys, and I mean if they if they have a nine win, ten win season, I still think that's a pretty solid season given the circumstances right now. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I, it's funny you mentioned that whole thing about Purdue because I'm a little torn right now on that pick for next week because I, I I can't wait to talk about that game because <laughs> I would not be surprised. I wouldn't. Out me neither. So, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. And um, I don't know, Zach. I know maybe you're a little biased with your Ohio State so far. I'm not. I'm not digging this Freeman guy. I mean, I know he had to replace Clark Lee because he took off for uh, Vanderbilt. God bless him for getting a head coaching job and his alma mater. But you know, Kelly's been hit or miss last in his tenure about hiring defensive coordinators. But more hit than miss. But you know, I, I'm not going to bury Marcus Freeman after two games, but, you know, I'd, I'd like to see a little bit more than giving up 30 points a game going forward. I understand. Uh, before we uh, move on, Matt, can we talk about Texas, please? You mean the team that's not back? Is that what you're referring to? <laughs> you can talk about Texas A&M, too, because they look like trash yesterday on Saturday as well. Very lucky to win that game at, at Colorado. Like, I don't know why, like, being a Texan, being a Texas, like, I – Want to root for them, but anytime like a fan base gets like excited about their team being back and they lose the game the next week, I just I love it. Like there's nothing about like I think that's the thing I love about sports the most is because it really puts like fan bases like into perspective. Like sit your ass down, your team is not back. Like just shut up already. Matt, my my brother uh, Matt texted me. Uh, on Saturday, he goes, I'm at a bachelor party in Austin, and I'm just filled with Texas and Texas A&M fans right now losing their shit. <laughs> I, like, they're just like surrounded by people in Austin watching the Longhorns just get dumped on by Arkansas, and then Texas A&M fans are sweated out being in a 10-7 battle with Colorado. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I kind of saw that one coming a little bit. You know, everybody overreacts because Texas won one game against Louisiana. Oh, we're back, we're back. Um, you know, you're going into an SEC on the road, uh, uh, an old rival in Arkansas. That's an up-and-coming team itself. I like that Coach Pittman. Um, I know he wasn't Arkansas's first choice, but he kind of is just a guy. He's a grinder. O-line coach, just like the kids you could tell they play, the butt, they play their asses off for him. Kind of just get the most out of that three-star talent. You know, I like the, I just like what they're doing there. I know they were extra motivated, you know, bring in Texas and, um, you know, hook them horns down and all that stuff and just want to stick it to an old, old uh, Southwest Conference rival. Um, so um, I wasn't really that surprised about um, Texas going down there and getting their asses handed to them. I, you know, hey. Texas, I like Sarkeesian. I think he'll, he'll be good. Um, you never got it, but he's not the guy that's going to make Texas elite. Let's not kid ourselves. And guess what, Texas? You're going to have to play fucking Arkansas like, every year. You're talking all this shit and like being like, oh, we're going to go move to the SEC and stuff. And then the first formidable, the first SEC team they play, they get annihilated. I mean, like they have been b- below average in the Big 12 the last six to seven years. And we were talking about this collectively the first time we jumped on this show. I'm like, how are they going to be when they go to the SEC? I mean, they're not, they're not, they haven't proved anything. To me, in the Big 12, to think that they can hang with them. 
yeah, your brand is is sensational, but like you clearly can't win the big game yet. I mean, I, I'm scared for that Red River uh, rivalry game against Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma might actually score like 60 points against them. So I'm, I don't know, man. I, I just, I, I'm, I'm just so sick of it. I, I can't stand the Longhorns. I can't stand their fans. I can't stand how this we we have to deal with this every single year. I know Matt's going to get pissed about this, but it's the same thing with Michigan. It's like Michigan and Texas got to deal with the same thing every single year. But at least Michigan is like winning right now. And granted, they didn't play a school like Arkansas, but I mean, at least Michigan has come within a sniff of the playoff. At least they've had games where they're like 11 and one at the end of the season. It's like, oh, if you win this, you're in the championship game and you're in the playoff. Texas hasn't even come close. Not even close. So it's like, what is it to argue here? You're not back at all. You can't you can't recruit effectively. Your your number one quarterback just decommitted and decided to go to a fucking Ohio to go play college football. I'm like, what does there even say here about Texas anymore? And I get it. Everyone's talking about, oh, Sark's going to bring this innovative offense to Texas. I'm like, he's not going to change things like over in year one anyways. You're going to have to take like three or four years to completely fix this mess. I mean, these these recruits are just not good enough. They're not. I mean, I just think it's kind of funny, like, when, like, sports kind of write themselves because, like, everyone's like, oh, Texas starts 1-0, Texas is back, Texas is going to the SEC, like, fuck the, fuck the Big 12, like, the Big 12's fault, they're not, like, a playoff team every year, like, sit your fucking asses down, right? First of all, like, OU, you guys fucking blow it in the fucking playoffs, year after year after year, you guys get fucking smoked, you guys don't belong there, your defense fucking sucks every year. That's not why you guys lose in the playoffs. And, like, Texas, like, I'm so still confused on why they're going to the SEC. I know, like, at the end of the day, it's like about money. money. But, like, you should right. actually, like, be there or, like, be good enough to go in the SEC. Like, you can't even be, a, like, a bottom feeder in the uh, in the SEC in Arkansas. You can't even beat them. And, like, you're going to, like, seriously, you're going to – what's going to happen is they're probably going to be, like, a 9-3 and three team. I'm sure before they go to the SEC, they'll probably be an 11-1 and one team. And then you're going to be in the SEC, and you're automatically going to go back to being six and six, or what, seven, seven and five. It's it's going to be hilarious to me. Like they're not, they're not ready for that competition, dude. They're they have their heads so far up their asses. They're looking for a scapegoat of someone to blame. They want to blame somebody for their failures, and they don't want to blame themselves. So what do they blame? They blame the Big Twelve. Well, the Big Twelve has this crappy contract with Fox. We don't want to play our games at noon because none of the players want to play at noon. And I understand people were pissed off because Oregon, Ohio State played at noon, um, and it was unfair to the people on the West Coast having to get up at nine a.m. to watch that game. So I. I understand there's issues with the time slots and the contracts that are going on with the Big 12. It doesn't matter, okay? It, it doesn't matter anything with, with with those contracts. If you're winning football games and you're getting to the playoff, you're you're winning. Uh, what I think it's six million dollars you give your conference and yourself if you get to the playoffs. You're not doing any of those things to your conference. So why are you blaming the Big 12? And what makes you think going to the SEC is going to be going to get you uh, anywhere better than where you currently are right now? I mean, where? I mean, you're, you're like Arkansas was the laughing stock of the SEC two years ago, and you just got a train run on by you by them. Like, come on. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, money makes the world go round. I, I scratch my head. Yeah, I think Texas. I'm, I'm so, I'm so happy they lost that game. They're just driving me ballistic about that stuff. It's just like, I, I can't, I just can't stand the arrogance down there by them. It's just. Go ahead, Trevor. What are you saying? Thank you that way for I love years. it. You know, that's not going to change. You know, Texas is Texas for that, the arrogance, like you say. 
But yeah, I mean, what is Oklahoma doing? And I know you got to get more money, but you were a big fish in a small pond for a long time. You've got multi, you rode the coattails to multiple playoff appearances that you probably didn't deserve. Um, you know, you're how many years in a row have they won the, the Big 12? Five, six by now? Because you just so what happens, you know, they're going to get more money. They're not winning six straight SEC titles. I seriously doubt that. So I scratched my head even more at Oklahoma joined that conference because you had it. You had a made deal that you were consistently winning that conference and you were getting looks for the playoff that you didn't deserve just because you were a conference champion in a kind of a paper, paper tiger conference. So, you know, and money, they say money makes the world go around, but you did, you know, that's, that's more the head scratch. I can see why Texas does it because does it because they're delusional, but um, Oklahoma, you had a made deal in football and you're going to, you're going to blow that. So I hope, I hope that little extra few million dollars a year is going to be worth it. Speaking of this game, one last moment, guys. I have two uh, things I want you both to answer on because I just saw a tweet about it just now. Uh, Arkansas just got fined $100,000 for storming the field after beating Texas. What do you guys think about that? I think Arkansas fucking uh, storming the field is fucking lame. I think storming the field in general when you're a, a, a power in a power conference is fucking stupid. Like, I, I get – I mean, again, like, I don't know. Is Texas really that impressive of a win for you? I mean – I no, but five. I think it's funny. I think if I was like a, in a situation where Arkansas is right now and you beat Texas, somebody who thinks that like they're like, it's almost like they're laughing in their face. Like you guys think you guys are going to beat Alabama and Auburn and, and Georgia. You guys can't even beat us, Arkansas. I mean, We're going to score I, I guess field. if you look at it that way, I definitely do think that's like the ultimate troll job. Like, oh, you guys think you're going to compete with the upper echelon of the SEC and you can't even beat us? Like, fuck you guys. <laughs> so what do you think? Zach, was, Zach, was that the SEC that find them? Yeah, because apparently what I'm reading is that Arkansas has been fined multiple times the last couple of years for storming the field. Um, I, I don't know where this came from, but like I, I guess I'm reading it from college uh, football reporters saying that this is like a second or third time offense. Um, and it's been going up by like 25, 50,000 each time they do it. But it's like. I don't know. I I think, I think it's kind of stupid. I think if you want to storm the field, whatever, like you're going to have to deal with the ramifications of college football fans making fun of you based off of whether it's an impressive win or you're just storming the field for being a loser. It's like when we were making fun of Kansas for storming the field a few weeks ago, you know? Yeah. I just think um, SEC is probably like, come on, man. Don't don't bring us down to Texas's level. Like we're the SEC. We shouldn't be storming the field to be in Texas. I don't care who you are in the SEC. They're come, they're coming groveling to our conference, begging to get their asses whooped on a weekly basis and make five extra million more dollars a year. So don't bring yourself down to their level and storm the field after beating their mediocre asses. That's probably what that's probably what the conference is saying to them by finding them that much that much money. Right, but you're talking like a third time offense. You're talking like an Arkansas program that's been like struggling the last few years too. So like, I mean, I'm looking at it this way. It's yeah. like, how many opportunities is the student body gonna have a chance to run out on the field? Like, like that's why I don't think is like if you're Kansas, like you're you're a student and you're you've been drinking all afternoon and your team yeah. stinks, and then you get one win. I'm probably gonna run out on the field too. Yeah. I'm like, how many more times am I gonna have to do this? So that's true. They've had a pretty miserable run with the Brett Bielema days and the Chad Morris days. They. There's been years recently where they've gone 0 for in the conference, so I guess you know, if you get a win like that, you sh maybe they should storm the field. It's not an FCS team; it's it's a Power Five team. So I mean, who knows? I mean, so I mean, we could uh, we could just stay in the state of Texas and like teams that have their heads up their ass. Like, is there? I feel like Texas A&M might be the team that has their heads up their ass the most, or their fans in general. Like every year, I hear. 
Texas A&M, Texas A&M, Texas A&M. Like, they're going to lose games that they shouldn't. And I just feel like they're not it for me. Every year they're there. And I just, like, they're every time I watch them, they're just very unimpressive to me. Every Matt, I don't even have to say anything on in this way. Everything you just said is just completely coming out of my mouth about that. Nothing I mean, else to say. I I'm mean, going to push back a little bit on that because what? I'll mm-hmm. counter you that because I, I can't stand the A&M shit. It drives me ballistic. Well, A&M has a right to – they they have a right. They've been backing up on the field a little bit. Like, they've got – look at last year. They they only lost was to Alabama. Come on. That's, that's how of a year. They lost by four touchdowns. Okay, but still, Matt's saying they, they lose games they're not supposed to. Right, but I, I, I that last year. In my, in my opinion, okay, but what, what happened? Did they win the national championship last year? I just feel like no, that's I – mean, I feel like that's a discussion that they're put in. I think like, Jimbo has done completely fine there. It's the only problem is that Alabama happens to be in that division. Like, everybody else has the misfortune to be in that division. You know? I personally feel like the Texas A&M fans are still riding the high from Johnny Menzel beating Alabama one time. And, like, oh, all, yeah, of dude. They, all of a sudden they think they're going to be in the national championship every year. Like, that's how I feel when I watch But, no, Matt, that game happened on Saturday. That didn't happen eight years ago. Texas A&M oh. fans, it happened two days ago. I mean, like I, yeah, I, I get, I get, I do agree with the Johnny Manziel thing. Yeah, of course they run that to the ground. I mean, um, I just think seeing their struggles so far this year offensively, there's not enough appreciation for the career Kellamon had. I know he didn't light it on fire, but he was an efficient passer. You know, he had a great uh, Orange Bowl last year against North Carolina. Obviously, I just think this goes to show. Sometimes you plug in the next four-star guy, like we were talking about before, Zach. It, it doesn't. It's not always a seamless transition. I mean, this guy was like a three, four-year starter. You always, you know, he wasn't spectacular, but he was solid. And now you're seeing, well, maybe it's not that easy to uh, get the new I guys. Less, I think it's less on the players, though, because whenever I like say that, like I don't want to try to criticize the young guys that are going there and playing, because like, it, it, like, and before I even like go in more depth about this, it's like it's not like I'm undermining talent because obviously we just talk about it, and those guys are always skillful enough to make it there. Which I'm I'm not saying Texas A&M isn't talented. I think it's more just people who are affiliated with like ESPN, the SEC Network, and a lot of the pollers that just seem to come in each season and think that Texas A&M is like in the same class as Clemson, Ohio State, and Alabama. And they're not. They're not. Because it's like every time they play a big game against a formidable opponent, they either lose or they get completely wrecked. And they've had games where it's like, I know last season, you know, was the case where they their one bad loss was to Alabama, which is early on in the season. But they've had seasons before that where they've come into the season, although this could be a top 10 team, and they end up going like 9-4 and four or 8-5. and five, And it's like, it's sort of like that. Is it really different from what the Texas Longhorns are doing? Maybe not because they're in the SEC and one's in the Big 12. Yeah, but Texas give them that much, you know. They are. But, I mean, but at the end of the day, they're both winning eight to nine games a year outside of last year. So, I mean, I'll give Texas A&M credit. I mean, like, obviously, they're, they're out recruiting and they're out playing Texas. But, like, you know, for the most part, I mean, I just think that it, it's it, it comes with this whole mentality that a lot of people from Texas just want these colleges to be good down there. And they, they kind of overhype them and overrank them a little bit. And I just think there are a couple teams in the SEC that are a lot better than, uh, than A&M are. And Georgia's one of them. Alabama's one of them. And I think if both of them went to A&M and played at College Station, I think they both could go there and win. That's just my opinion. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that kind of went up my ass last year sideways from uh, – the AM fans, so they were bitching that they should have been facing Alabama instead of Notre Dame. But like you said, they had their chance. They get annihilated. How many games did Notre Dame lose last year? 
Yeah, none, and... Okay, know, so then tell A&M fans to just shut the fuck up then. And, you know, I know that game against Alabama was never in doubt when we faced them, but we only lost by 17. I hate to, you know, I hate to pull out a rank like that, but, you know, we kept you know we kept that offense a little bit in check in the playoff, and what did they do against them? They they gave up like 45 points, so... Dude, they just they, dude, that, that pissed me off so much last year. They were trying to justify getting into the playoff by losing by 21. Like, come on, dude. Do you think, like, how do you think the committee's looking at this right now? Are we going to let Notre Dame in, who has run the table and beaten everybody they're supposed to have beaten outside of Clemson towards the end of the year? Or are we going to put in Texas A&M, who if they get in, they're going to be the fourth team. They're going to play Alabama. Who just, like, how does that even reward Alabama? Alabama did their part. They beat them by almost four touchdowns. Why are we going to put them back into the playoffs again and have them matched up against Alabama? I mean, it, it was, it was it, the, 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 the thinking and logic behind that but with AM fans was just like it it, it it makes sense why so many people just are against them and don't want them to succeed because they don't see it and i guarantee and i'm not saying that ohio state fans like like myself they were furthest from it ever there are a ton of people online that hate us just like notre dame and michigan we all can collectively agree the three of our teams are vastly hated by most people in the country but I don't know. I just there's not the thing about Ohio State though is like as much as I hate Ohio State is I mean they're not in the playoffs every year but it seems like they're there every other year. I mean you guys have the right to be on your high horse. I mean at the end of the day like nobody's at the standard of Alabama right now. But like of course not. not even if you're not even getting to the playoff like sit your ass down like get to the playoffs for a couple of years before you start saying like I'm back we're one of the best teams in the country. Like, chill for a minute. There's only a couple teams right now that can legit say they're national championship contenders every year. And, like, yeah. Texas saying that ain't it. Texas saying it. I mean, I can guess I, if you want to say Oklahoma, but, like, they get blown out every year. But they have more say than Texas and Texas saying them for sure. Can I push back against one more Texas team real quick? I love it. Go for so, it. Houston, right? So they're all high and mighty. <laughs> oh, my God. Another, oh, my God. What? Fan base with the heads see, up their ass. Did you see the tweets, I guess, that everybody was saying now they're going to get Jimbo Fisher because now Houston's in a big conference now. They're going to the Big 12. Oh, they think my fucking Jimbo God. Fisher away. So that's kind of the arrogance of uh, the Houston fan base, right? They think they're a big conference now. because So the Big 12 has to take somebody to stay alive. They're on life support. So like, oh. We're at a big conference now. We're gonna get Jimbo Fisher, who's making ten million dollars a year to coach in the SEC. He's gonna go to. He's gonna leave that and go to Houston. Like the arrogance of Houston. Are you kidding me? I've. I, I was. I was saying this to my brother over the weekend. I've gone from hating Alabama to actually just rooting for them, just as absolutely pummel everybody on the SEC, just so these SEC idiots can just come back down to earth. Because nothing infuriates me more than these SEC fans that are uh, average programs that are playing average. They come out and say, we're the best conference in the country. We kill everybody. You guys collectively beat each other and then just get killed by Alabama. Alabama is on a completely different level than everybody in the SEC. So it's like, I, I just can't, like... It, it, but the same arrogance comes from Texas people. It's like I, I don't understand it. So it's like I, I root for – now I'm just becoming accustomed to rooting for Alabama. If they're playing some team and their fans are just running their mouths on Twitter being like, oh, man, wait till we play Alabama. We're going to prove ourselves. No, you're not. You're going to lose by three or four touchdowns. We all have seen this before. No one's going to beat them. You're not going to make any noise. It's just – it's the same story every season. <laughs> Well, is there any like, other fan bases we want to run against? Like shit on Texas teams. I just, 
I just think it's funny. I mean, it's not like it's not well-deserved, though. I think Texas A&M is up there for me. I really do. Like when Clemson's not pissing me off, it's usually A&M fans. <laughs> well, like, I, I, I agree, because, again, I'll go back to Johnny Manziel. Like, when Johnny Manziel was there, like, it was fun. It was just fun to watch. Now it's just like, okay, Johnny Manziel didn't get you to a national championship, but he was fun to watch. And, like, now Texas A&M fans talk every year like they're in the national championship the year before. It's like, all right, just, like, sit your ass down real quick. It's, a, it's laughable. All right, so do you want to get into our what top ten going into going into week three? Yeah. Trevor, you want to go first? Uh, Why don't you guys go first? first. Matt, you go go first. I'll go with mine from uh, I'll start with uh, ten to one. So at ten, I got at at uh, at ten, I got Notre Dame. I feel like I just feel like it it wasn't it was not impressive that game. (laughs) Just like they're, they're I mean they're there. I mean, they're Notre Dame, they're going to be there, but I mean, I think at the end of the day, they're probably more of like a top 15 team, maybe top 20 team. Uh, at nine, Texas A&M, Ohio State dropped to seven, Clemson, Cincinnati, Iowa, and then my top four right now is Oregon at four, Oklahoma at three, Georgia at two, and Alabama at one. All right, so really quickly for me, I'm going to go Florida, 2-0, sneaky 2-0 start. Uh, top 10, number 10 to me. I'm going to go A&M. I was not impressed by that game. I know we yeah, just spent 10 minutes. I know I try to stick up for them, but I was not impressed by that performance. So they're going to go to ninth for me. Um, I'm going to put Cincinnati 8. Just ahead of them, Ohio State 7. Uh, Clemson 6. Then I'm going to go Iowa 5th. I think Oregon leapfrogs into that playoff conversation now. Top 14. Oklahoma third, Georgia second, and we all know Bama's first. And they're going to be first. We're, we're just seeing who's going to be the second team to to go on the national championship game against them at this point. So. Okay. Um, man. Jesus, hold on. Let me pull this one up real quick. I wrote it down. All right. Um... I'm actually probably going to switch this run around a little bit. So I have uh, UCLA at 10. I have uh, Penn State at 9. I have Ohio State at 8. Hold on. Reading this. No, actually, I got to scratch that. I have a different one right here. Okay, here we go. Starting over again. Number 10, I have Ohio State. I just think Ohio State's defense is just um, not up to par with – the top 10 teams in this in every team that I ranked above them. I think that their offense could score on them easily until they figure that out. I, I can't put them ahead of anybody. I have AM at nine. Um, this is going to be surprising because I did move Cincinnati out because I do think there's been teams a little bit more impressive than Cincinnati based off of who they played, but Cincinnati's playing Indiana this weekend. So that might change a little bit. I know Indiana is kind of a little overrated, but it, it, I could get them back into the top 10. Um, number eight, I have UCLA. Uh, they've, they've had some uh, impressive win with LSU. Hopefully they can keep in the gear in the Pac-12 to keep the, uh, in the top 10. Penn State, I have number seven, actually, because their win on the road against Wisconsin was impressive, and I think their defense looks good. Um, if they beat Auburn next next week, that'll be a good SEC win for them. Uh, six, I have Clemson. Uh, number five, I have Oklahoma. Number four, I have Iowa. I think Iowa's had two very, very impressive wins. I can't, like – 
I'm sorry. When you when you hold 25 straight opponents under the under uh, tw- uh, 23 points, I mean that's so impressive in college football. And they've had two very good wins to start the year. Oklahoma's defense has had issues, so I'm giving Iowa the nod for now. I don't think Iowa's offense is better than Oklahoma's, but I mean if they if if, if Iowa and Oklahoma played, I think that'd be a very very good matchup. Um, and then my top three, I have Oregon at three, just because of that big win over Ohio State. I'd give I'd just give them the flip. Um, it's going to make me sick though, because I, I have a feeling Oregon's going to let me down and have some stinker later on in the year. Um, and then my top two, obviously Georgia. And then there's a mountain plus another massive mountain plus outer space and a galaxy. And then there's Alabama by itself. Alabama's far, far and away the best team in the country. I don't think anybody's even close. I don't think you're going on, I don't think you're going on that, that statement. <laughs> What's that? I'm, you're not exactly going out on the limb with that proclamation. So I, no, I just don't, I honestly I think there are a lot of teams in the top ten that, that would make very very good games. I think two from ten, any of those teams, and, and even though I love Cincinnati out of the top ten, I mean they'd probably be at eleven. Um, I'm gonna actually counter your Florida pick, Trevor, because I think Florida has been extremely extremely unimpressive, even though they won both their, their games. Uh, Emory Jones, their quarterback there, he's looked terrible. Um, in those two games, he's thrown four interceptions in two games, and they haven't played anybody. So, guess who they got to play next week? Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna say Zach. I'm, I don't think they're gonna be in the top ten for long. We all know who they're going against at three thirty. That's why I took him out of there because I think as soon as I put him in there, they'll be out. So I, I just don't think they're there. I, think so. I show him love for one week. No, that's fine. I understand that. I, I'll, I'll get more into it when we get to the game and stuff. But man, I'm disappointed too because Emory Jones, man, he was a recruit for Ohio State and he de- he tra- he decommitted and transferred or one of the two and went to Florida and you know he just he, he, he's looked pretty pretty uh, unimpressive the first two games. So all right. All right, let's get into our uh, our picks for for week three. We can uh, start with Northern Illinois against Michigan. Uh, Zach, you want to go first? Yeah, uh, I think Northern Illinois is a pretty good non-Power 5 team, even though they lost to Wyoming last weekend. I actually had the circus circled on the schedule before Michigan had those first two wins before the season as something that might be a trap game for Michigan. Um, I don't think so anymore. Uh, I think the spread's a little high, though. So Michigan's favored by 27. I don't think Michigan's going to win by 27. I think Northern Illinois is going to go there and play a pretty good game. I still think Michigan wins by two touchdowns or something, but it won't be like something like four touchdowns. So I'll go Michigan 45, Northern Illinois 24. So I'll give them like a two or three touchdown uh, cover there. So Michigan wins, but uh, don't be surprised if Northern Illinois hangs around for a little bit before Michigan pulls away. I mean, I'll just say, like, obviously I'm impressed with how Michigan has started, like, sticking to an identity. But, again, like, their identity has been ground and pound. And it's hard to see Michigan beating any team by four touchdowns, frankly. Like, they're going to probably grind the game out. They're going to wear Northern Illinois down. Like, I definitely think they're going to win. But I think it's closer to, like, a 17-21 point victory for Michigan. I would say it's going to probably be – it might not – I mean, the the game might not be as close as as the scoreboard says, but I also don't think they're going to run away on the scoreboard either. I have all the spreads here, by the way, guys. So if you guys have any questions about where the where the cover is, let me know, and I'll let you know. Please. All right. So, yeah, that's a big spread. I don't I don't see Michigan covering that. I do think they win by three touchdowns. I think it's a ground to pound situation again. I could see uh, similar to like a 31-10 score like they had against Washington. I think they'll just continue to boom momentum against teams that, on paper, they're simply better than at the moment. So um, I don't see Michigan tripping up just yet. What do we got for the uh, spread on the uh, 
on the Michigan State Miami game, Zach. Miami's favorite seven and a half. Wow, that's a little surprising. Very surprising. I mean, coming off of a, of a very underwhelming performance against Alabama, but then following it up by only beating Appalachian State by two. Like honestly, I want, I'm going to take Michigan State to win that game. Like, so I am I, and I want to. I'm going to double check that spread just in case right now. Yeah, I don't know how to, what to make of that game because I know Appalachian State was actually it's a tough opponent. Six points now. Were, it's down. To, it's down to six now. Six points. They were very lucky to win that game against App State. If I'm a Hurricanes fan, I'm not very inspired by much these days. I don't know the way those fans saved that cat from <laughs> jumping off the, the double decker into the American right. flag. That was a clutch moment by the U fans. Um, yeah. Ah, God. Um, I guess I'll be the contrarian here because I don't know. I'm I'm not big on Mel Tucker. I think he's a little overrated. Um, if I think. God, I'm gonna put my balls on the. I guess I'll put my balls on the table. We'll go with Michigan. Uh, we'll, I'm sorry, we'll go with Miami by three. I just like. I feel like that quarterback for Miami King. I feel like he kind of is a little overrated. Like I remember him with Houston. I didn't think he was that good then, and like now he's on Miami. I still don't think he's anything special. It's just, I don't know. It's just the again, again with all these uh, Miami fans. Like the U is back. Like I don't feel like the U is back, and I just feel like they're the I same shit me. team. And I think, I think. Michigan State looks a little better than I thought they were going to be this year. So, I mean, it's not like Miami's going to have this crazy home crowd being in Miami. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Michigan State goes down there. It just I think they're going to beat them. I – so, you know, I actually wanted to talk about this last week. I, I forgot to bring it up both weeks, actually, guys. Michigan State's been pretty impressive. Uh, they're both, both their wins this year have been, you know, they've, they've covered by more. I mean, they've won by multiple touchdowns in both their games – Miami's Miami's just overrated, man. I I think this is a classic game where like they're gonna go in there thinking that like, Michigan State, like people forget, like when they when they're playing good, like they're a tough team to beat. Um, and I, when when Mark D'Antoni was there, dude, they were a pain in the ass in Ohio State when D'Antoni was a coach there. So you know, Mel Tucker, if he can if he can pull this one out, I think Michigan State you know finds a way to have a pretty solid season but Miami hasn't done anything this year that's going to make me feel impressed like it was one thing they played Alabama the first game of the season but they didn't even look impressive last week either um so I'm agreeing with Matt here I'm going Michigan State I think Miami being favored by seven and a half or even six is way too much this should be like a toss-up game in my opinion but I'm going to go Michigan State 27-21 I'm going to have Michigan State cover six right there so they'll, they'll do the backdoor cover Quick, uh, can I second real quick? So it looks like Clint Calvert half agrees with my Cliff Kingsbury to USC take. He said, quote, you know, cross him off the list for now. So he's leaving the door open, maybe. <laughs> I agree with my take out there. I don't know if Colin's here, here in the podcast, but thank you, Mr. Calvert. So anyways, go ahead, Matt. Next game. All right, Zach, what do we got for the spread of the uh, West Virginia, Virginia Tech team? And just uh, uh, give us your pick. West Virginia is favored by two and a half. They're at home against Virginia Tech. Hmm. That feels like a little bit of that's a surprising. That's a pick that's a game. T- for me. I think this is a toss-up game. Yeah, that's a pick Like, So I was um, coming into the year, I was a little down on Justin Fuente and Tech. They, they opened my eyes with that win against uh, UNC. I was a little disappointed week one in West Virginia. They lost to Maryland. I know it's a rivalry game. I'm going to go Tech. I'm going to go Tech to cover. Who's favorite? Tech. Oh, no, you said. That's Virginia's favorite by two and a half. 
because it's basically a home spread. All right. So well, there is in Morgantown. So yeah, I'm gonna go uh, Tech to win straight up. So I'm gonna go Tech maybe by about a touchdown. I'm gonna go with West Virginia. I think Virginia Tech has been very impressive, um, but Virginia Tech is one of those teams that you know they will have a casual stinker either early or midway through the season. I want to believe in them, but like, I, like I, I just I don't know. Playing at West Virginia, this is I think this is an afternoon game. This is a night game. I think this would be a lock. West Virginia was going to take this, but um, I'm going to go West Virginia. I'm going to lean towards them. I'm going to say 31-27. I think they it's going to be a close game. Uh, it'll be good. There'll be a lot of fans from both sides, but um, I think Virginia Tech comes back down to earth this week and maybe lose to West Virginia on the road. Okay. I also agree. I think. I think this being a home game for West Virginia, and I mean, Virginia Tech is impressive. They're 15th ranked right now, 2-0. and I just, again, they're one of those teams that is just lose games that they shouldn't. Not that West Virginia is a game that they should, shouldn't lose. Like, that's a good in-state matchup. But, I mean, I, I see West Virginia taking this pretty easily. I'm going to say 35-21. to 21. Okay. Nice. Wow. 14 points. Oh, yeah. So, what do we uh, – so we got Oklahoma and Nebraska. What do we got for that spread? So I wanted to pick this one just because. So I wanted to pick this one just because it's a classic, like old I like Big it. Eight showdown. Yeah, Big Eight, baby. <laughs> right. But okay, so Oklahoma's favored by twenty-two points here. <laughs> so take, what do you take, guys think? Uh, take Oklahoma all day with the over. I think uh, Scott Frost is on borrowed time. It just that's a dumpster fire of a program, which is kind of sad to see because that's a passionate fan base and they should be better, but. They're like, forget about not being back. They're not, they're like on Tennessee level, like never going to get back, like ever. So I just think it's going to be a bloodbath. Matt, go. I mean, you don't think Oklahoma's going to cover after beating Western Carolina 76 to nothing? <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I mean, frankly, <laughs> I just think, I get it. I think Nebraska is just like a joke of a program. Like, I don't know. I never expect anything good out of them. It's just like, so they what? They lose to Illinois. They, they beat Fordham and then they beat Buffalo. Like, I just think it's one of those games where it's going to make Oklahoma look better than they are because it's going to be a nationally televised game. I'm sure it's on Fox. I haven't even looked, but I'm just assuming would be in a bit uh, like an old school matchup. Spencer Rattler is going to have four or five TDs. Everyone's going to say, look out for the Heisman, Spencer Rattler. And I just feel like that's how the story goes with that game. I think that I think they win by four touchdowns. I wouldn't be surprised if it's five. Yeah, I mean, you just made me sick with that. <laughs> I mean, I do kind of feel for uh, Nebraska. I do think, you know, Blake Martinez is not much of a passer, but he, he's an exciting runner. But other than that, he's one-dimensional. And, um, yeah, it's going to be a big day for uh, Boomer Sooner. So, hey, not much more to say there. Come on, Zach, take Nebraska. <laughs> Dude. So, of course, this is uh, Big Noon kickoff for uh, Saturday. God, those things are so miserable. What, what are you doing, Fox? I know, dude, it sucks. It's, uh, I, the Big Ten's – I've heard the Big Ten's drastically they're, – they're trying to get out of that contract with Fox now because of that. Um, I honestly think Nebraska's going to play hard to start. I think that they're going to go into this game like they're – like. Scott Frost probably gonna rile him up like, dude, this is do or die. I'm probably gonna get fired. So you guys, like, this is is. I think he's gonna get them ready for this game against Oklahoma. Um, if this was in Nebraska, I would 
Dude, I would want to try to see if they can pull the upset in this. But uh, Zach really hates Spencer Radler. Holy shit. But, dude, I'm just imagining Scott Frost winning this game and just Nebraska. Just like, I just, just, just the laughing stock that Oklahoma would be if they lose this game. No, nah, I'm, I'm saying that uh, they're going to go in this game. They'll, they'll, they'll come out, play hard uh, to start, but then Oklahoma is just too talented. They'll run away with it. So I actually have Oklahoma. 49 to 24. I think they'll cover. Um, and Spencer Rattler will look like the golden child to everybody who hasn't watched QB1. So just keep in mind Nebraska lost to Brett Bielema's Illinois team, who sucks. So just keep that in mind. Well, Virginia Tech in 2014 beat Ohio State, who won the national championship, and they ended up winning like only five or six games that year. So anything can happen. You never know. I, I mean, I guess, but I'm not going to bet my money on Nebraska in any situation for a while. So. All right, just give me two seconds. I'm going to cut this part out. I just got to switch over my headphones. Hold on. God, I want to pick Nebraska so bad. <laughs> you cannot be clouded by your hate of Spencer Rattler, man. I know, I know, I know. Unfortunately, you're going to have to bite your tongue. It's going to be a big day. Definitely going to be the hate of Spencer stats so much this year. Wonderful conference that plays so much great defense, Big 12. So. I'm going to be so upset if they ended up winning, beating Oklahoma. I'll blame you guys forever. It sounds like you want to pick Nebraska, man. At least to cover. You pick them at least to cover. Did you? Dude, I, I just don't have any faith. I, I can't. I just I, I want Oklahoma to lose you so bad, but I'm I can't. Gonna lie. I love I love how much I see it in Zach's face that he wants right. like Nebraska to win this game. I think. Oh, dude, I'm wearing a corn husker hat and everything Saturday at noon. I'm I'm gonna be. I am rooting for Nebraska so hard. I hope I lose this pick. <laughs> Put the balls on the table, Zach. At least pick them to cover. All right, so we yeah, good. All right, I'm, they're gonna cover. I'm putting my balls on the table. Nebraska's covering this game. There it is. Get ready for freezing cold takes coming up on uh on Saturday <laughs> on Saturday, Saturday afternoon. Yeah. I'm gonna be so into that game. I'm gonna be messaging you guys all afternoon about I'm that. I've probably had almost zero interest in watching that game because again, I feel like the big noon kickoffs are fucking like a snooze fest. But now I have every intention of watching that game because of how bad <laughs> this to happen. <laughs> all right, so we also uh Another noon kickoff. We got Cincinnati going into Indiana. What's the uh, what's the spread on that right now? Uh, Cincinnati's favored by three. Those are minus three right now. I personally feel like that's a little low. Like I understand that Cincinnati is going to Indiana, but again, as I said in in the uh, our preseason predictions, I feel like Indiana is kind of overrated. They're not good, and everyone. I don't know if that was like a surprise team for everybody. I kind of think since he's going to go in there and kind of this might be a nuts on the table game for them. And I, I think they're going to win this game easily. I think it's at least by two touchdowns. I wouldn't be surprised by three. I just think since he has way more talent, I don't think Indiana is very good. I mean, wow. sure, if you want to be excited that they beat fucking Idaho last week, good for you. But I, I think Cincinnati is going to be out there. I mean, this is the thing for Cincinnati is. If they have any shot at the playoff, which at the end of the day, if we really think about it, they, they probably don't. But if they have any shot at the uh, at being in the playoff, they have to style points. So, I mean, Indiana's the team they're going to have to blow out. Then they got Notre Dame. Like, this has to be a style point game for them. And I, I see I see them starting with at least a 14-point victory here. 
Matt, sounds like you were on a personal crusade against Indiana for some reason, the way you've been dissing them so far this year. I mean, what? I haven't been wrong, though. I wasn't show, wrong. Us, show us where they hurt you. Show us the spot where they hurt you, Matt. I mean, um, I mean, these are two quarterbacks I like. I know Phoenix had a rough start to the season. Um, I like both quarterbacks, Desmond Ritter as well. Um, before the pass got Mac Jones, he was somebody I was thinking about down the line to be a, the past quarterback in the future. Um, I like both coaches, Luke Fickle, Tom Allen. Yeah, like you say, Cincinnati, if they have any business of being there at the end, being in the conversation, they're never going to get there. But being continuing like a New Year's Six Bowl kind of thing going for that program, they have to win this convincingly. Um, I got them winning by three points. I think Indiana, I'm not down as down on them as you are, Matt. Um I think, you know, Tom Allen's building something over there um, slowly, you know, slowly but surely. I think they'll give him a hell of a game in Bloomington. Don't forget Indiana's a football school now, not a basketball school anymore. So not that that's saying much, but I do think um, I do think Cincinnati wins a, wins a tight game. I think um, – what was the spread on that again, Zach? I'm sorry. Uh, three. All right. I'm, I'm going to say it's just a push. I think Cincinnati by three. I'm picking Indiana. Oh, um, here we go. I love it. I think that Cincinnati, in like, I agree with everything Matt said. It's either going to be a game where Cincinnati wins by like two touchdowns. Uh, I don't think it will be anything closer than that because I, I, Cincinnati has every right in their mind to be like going going to Bloomington and being like, this is our season. Like, we need to, like, we have no shot at the playoff if we don't win this game. Because they're probably going in there thinking we have Indiana and then we got to go play Notre Dame next. Like those are the two games of our season that we have to win. I don't know, man. I think they might be. They, they I'm not going to say they're going to overlook Indiana, but like you saw how Oregon looked against Fresno. They definitely were looking ahead to Ohio State when they played Fresno State. And I think that I think Indiana is playing with a little chip on their shoulder because they had that bad loss against Iowa Week One. I think this is their chance to kind of redeem it. I think they got a, a skilled quarterback who's played a lot of, uh, you know, like a lot of football for them. And I'm going to go with Indiana to win this outright. All right. When the hosts don't agree, I love it. <laughs> I'm about to change my pick. I'm, I, all I've been thinking this entire time is I want to go back and just pick Nebraska now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we still got a cut. We still got a few more minutes. There's still time. <laughs> All right, so we uh, let's see. The next game we got Purdue going into South Bend. What's the spread on that, Zach? Notre Dame's favored by a touchdown. How do you how do you feel about that, Trevor? You go. So I mean, Purdue. You know they haven't exactly beaten anybody that inspires a lot of confidence. I know they beat Oregon State by like nine. They shadow over UConn, not exactly a major accomplishment. Um, <laughs> I just that, that was my whole thing with Purdue. Was just like I was looking at their schedule. I'm like, oh, they beat Oregon State. That's good. And I'm like, I can't even take anything from this UConn yeah. game. You so. know, it's funny though, because like, uh, sorry to interrupt you, Trevor, but like last week we shat on like UConn and UMass, but like now they're, they're just so bad they don't even deserve like a segment on our show anymore. <laughs> Well, UMass actually played decent against Boston College. They only lost by 17. They showed something. Uh, UConn, that program is hopeless. Did you guys see the UConn uh, viral thing like the week before where the interim coach, who's now their head coach, he's like the D coordinator. He's talking to them on the sidelines. He puts up the, you know, the fist to make, you know, like break the huddle kind of thing. And only one player put up their fist. Like everybody else couldn't even be bothered. That just like shows how 
uninspired um, that program is at this point in time. So, so what do you got? Um, for, yes. What do you think? You think you think Notre Dame covers? How do you feel? Yeah, sorry. So, um, you heard my rant before. I'm down on this team right now. Defense is kind of a mess. Offensive line is a mess. They can't pass protect. They can't run block. Um, I'm picking. Uh, you know, last two weeks they've skated by one by three. I think they lose by three. So I think Purdue by three. Wow. That is not a pick that I expected here. And I'm going to, like, honestly, if this was a game that was at Purdue, I mean, I could see the upset. But, I mean, I still think Notre Dame has the talent. Purdue's traveling to South Bend. I mean, I, give me give me Notre Dame by 10 here. All right. I, I, Matt, I, are you looking at my sheet right now? There's no way Purdue's winning this game. I'm sorry. Not, Purdue, even, this not, was, even, not even taking into the fact that it's a rivalry game? No. I'm not, dude. Purdue Purdue pulls out like upset wins against Ohio State at home. They're not going to South Bend and win, win this game. I'm sorry. I got Irish by ten, actually, Matt. I had him 38-28. Um, I think Notre Dame's gonna come in with a chip on their shoulder. Uh, they'll come in and cover. Uh, you know, Purdue looked impressive against Oregon State, but like I can't even take much from their win against UConn. They're gonna they're gonna walk in Notre Dame and they're gonna play big, some big boys and somebody they haven't really even seen before. Um, Notre Dame, I just think, is way more talented. I'm going to go Irish by 10. So I can't wait to have this conversation next week with you, Trevor, because you've been so down and out on Notre Dame. They're going to cover this game by more. I mean, I hope to God you guys are right, and I'll just put it that way. So uh, next we got Arizona State. Are, are they going into BYU? They're going so, to yeah, BYU. Arizona State at BYU. What's, what's the spread on this game? Arizona's favored by two. So, uh, oh, Arizona State minus two. So, yeah, so they're favored. Yeah, they're favored by two. Yeah, yeah. So, big week coming off a big week for BYU. They got accepted the Big 12, you know, good for them because they were independent for a while. Then they beat their arch rival, Utah, the even bigger moment. So, they're riding high right now. I like that coach, um, Satelli, whatever his name is. Um, and he seems like a player's coach. I know they had Zach attack Zach Wilson last year, they've won two games to start this year. And I, I, I kind of, I kind of like them in this game. Um, I like them by about, let's say, six points. I'm so, gonna go so speaking of teams that everybody overrates every year and hasn't there done jack shit, there we go. Utah, fuck huh. Utah. I was gonna say BYU. That win against. I thought you were gonna say Arizona State. I was about to get really impressive. impressive. Like that's not impressive to me. Everybody like gives Utah like this like false ranking like oh they're a good team utah is not a good team i'm sorry utah's, Trevor, i think that's a solid program man they're, they're in better not, shape than usc right now they're in better shape than football. usc are they gonna win the bar stool bowl next year is that what they're gonna do i mean what's usc gonna win compared to them? i do I like that i do like that zach is so upset about his nebraska pick that he had to leave for a second no uh so wait are oh, we still God. talking byu asu going back yeah. to my prediction i think Arizona State wins this game by seven. I just, I, I'm not impressed by BYU beating Utah. I think Utah is a fake program. They're not good. Give me Arizona State seven point victory. I want to do Zach's some got the hat on. All right. What do you got here, Zach? I have Arizona State winning by three touchdowns. I think BYU is a bunch of frauds, and I think ASU yes. has a very talented quarterback and Jaden Daniels. He can throw the ball somewhat well, but he can run the ball even better. I think ASU is going to come in. I think that I told you I'm sticking. I'm riding it out until they 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 crash and burn. I think ASU and Oregon are probably going to meet for the Pac-12 championship. Um, 
I love the Sun Devils. I, I like Jaden Daniels. I think that Arizona State's killed everybody they played this year. I'm going with the Sun Devils to score. They're going to win this game by multiple touchdowns. Words that I never thought I'd hear coming out of somebody's mouth that they love a Herm Edwards coach team, but hey, to each their own, I guess. Yeah, I, yeah, Herm Edwards usually would like that, but he's putting other put up forty points. I mean, in, I don't, I mean in all fairness, Zach's brother did go to Arizona State, so true. Yeah. So that's well, I am a little biased, biased so. towards it. But like, that, like I said, I got nothing else to live. I got nothing else to hold on for right now. My team sucks. So I'm holding out of this right now. So, <laughs> oh, God. all right. So we'll move on to Alabama, Florida. On paper, this looks like a good SEC matchup. Uh, what's the spread on this, Zach? Yeah, 14 and a half. Wow. Really? Is yeah. this at Florida? Yeah, it's at Florida. What, this must be like a, like a what, a 3.30 uh, CBS game, or is it noon? Yeah, 3.30 on CBS. Got yeah. Ness and Gary doing the game. Of course, yeah. I guess I'm going to – Oh, God. I don't know. I think, again, I think Florida is, again, one of those teams who's like – a, a a really good SEC team, but they're not good enough to beat Alabama. And I just think Alabama is going to go in there, shit on all these Florida fans. I think they win by twenty four points. Alabama by twenty four. They just have they have way. It's just like it's almost not fair. Like I'm almost with you now, Zach. That I almost just want to see how much they can beat teams by. They have so much NFL talent on the field. Yeah, it's just like like they have three NFL quarterbacks. On starting right now, and they all they did was bring in Bryson Young, and he's just like shitting on everybody already. It's just like, and, and then they get to the NFL and they're throwing to their teammates in college, like yesterday. Like, like two would throw like, in a throw in a Jalen Waddle, but my like, they were Alabama fans, all all Al- Alabama players all over the field in that Dolphins Pats game yesterday. It's crazy. You know what? The funny thing is too is like everyone kind of forgot about Jalen Waddle because he got hurt. But I'm like, dude, he was this very guy's good. probably better than Devontae Smith. He's probably I know. Playing. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, give, me, uh, give me Alabama with 24. Sorry, Florida. Your fans aren't as annoying. I kind of like the Gator chop, but you guys have no shot. Oh, that's oh, yeah, I got a different take than this. I can't stand Florida. Uh, Connor Thag likes Florida, so I, I root against Florida in any chance I got. Um, they suck. I, I Every Jones, like I said, he's he's – I'm not going to shit on this, the, the dude is his first season as a, as a quarterback, but he's been very poor this season. Anybody that tries to tell me that Alabama is going to get beat by a guy who's thrown four picks in the first two te- uh, weeks of the season. And if you know SEC ball, they play a bunch of cupcake teams before they actually get an SEC play. Uh, though I will give Auburn credit at the end of this because I'm very impressed with what they've done early on in the season. But I am willing to bet my life savings that Alabama wins this game and covers <laughs> I have Alabama winning 52, 52 to 24, and I think it'll be like 52 to 10 at one point. And the only reason why Florida gets past the 20s is because Alabama will just probably bench all their starters by the time that Florida decides to score some points. It's going to be 21 nothing at the end of the first quarter. I'm actually going to – I might even throw some money on that. I say they're up 21 nothing at the end of the first quarter. 41-24 Alabama. I won't waste any more time with that. They cover, so – so I, I want to go first on this game, but I do want to hear the spread. My phone just died. What Auburn at Penn State, who's home and what's the spread? Oh, okay. So before we get into this, Matt, I do want to – this is kind of part of my take uh, with Penn State-Auburn. Penn State's favorite by five. It's at Happy Valley. Now, can we just give a shout-out to Auburn? Like, I'm going to give a round of applause, another hand clap. Preseason prediction, by the way. Wait, do we have to? I you mean – 
Yeah. You know why I'm going to do that? Because Auburn is probably the first team that I can remember in recent memory that they have not tried to negotiate some dumb neutral site game in Texas or Atlanta for some school to come play at because they don't want to go to Big Ten country or wherever. We need more games like this to happen on campus. I'm so happy that Auburn is going to Happy Valley and playing against Penn State. Um, Penn State's favored by five. Um, I'll just get to my take right here real quick. Uh, you know, Penn State had that big win against Wisconsin, and they had the cakewalk against Ball State last week. Happy Valley is a very, very difficult place to win. This is a night game. This will be 8 o'clock. This will be a whiteout game for Penn State. Um, this is going to be a reality check for Auburn. I mean, this would be a first – like uh, they, they're going to get their first test here. Penn State's defense is legit. All Sean Clifford has to do is just make accurate throws to, just, uh, to Dodson, and I think Penn State wins this convincingly. I'm going Penn State at home. The SEC skills on Auburn will keep them in the game late, so I got Penn State by a touchdown. But all Sean Clifford has to do is just he's he's got the game in his hands. Just don't fuck it up. Don't throw any stupid passes, and they'll be Auburn. It's funny because I'm looking at Trevor's face, and I almost want to change my pick because I think he agrees with me. But uh, you guys are going Auburn. Auburn no was my. I told you guys before the season. I thought Auburn was a team to look out for. I know Penn State went into Camp Randall and Wheat, Wisconsin. Auburn is going against Penn right State, now. and they are going to have a 10-point victory against Penn State. Fuck the whiteout. Fuck all that. Auburn is going in there to kick some ass. Auburn might be the second-best team in the SEC. I don't really know how far that gets you these days, but Auburn beating Penn State, putting money on it. Let's go. I left the room for five seconds. Did you guys smoke crack while I was gone? What the hell is going on here? All right, so a little bit of I'm, – I'm kind of in the middle of this. I think Auburn's overrated. I mean, they haven't beat anybody the first two weeks, but I do like their offensive scheme. It is an SEC roster. I don't know if they're the second-best team in the conference, but they're, you know, they're, they're a good SEC team right now. I was impressed by Penn State a little bit week one, but I think we're, we're overrating that win in Wisconsin a little bit too much. I love the Penn State defense. I do not like their offense at all. I think Sean Clifford's game manager. I don't think he's – he has to prove he can take the next step, and I don't know if he's capable of that. I know it's a home game. I know it's a night game. I think Auburn gets in there and wins by seven. Dude, that, that, you guys are it. nuts. You guys are nuts. That is crazy talk, dude. You're talking the whiteout game at Penn State, a game where Shea Patterson took the field on the first play and couldn't even hear the freaking, like, he couldn't even talk, call the play. It got so loud okay, there. So doesn't, doesn't Auburn play in a hostile environments like that every week in the SEC? So I don't think. I'm not, they don't be, play in 100,000. I don't think they're going to be pissing Penn their State. pants. Guys, Big Ten play. country right here. <laughs> I don't think they're going to be shaking in their boots going to Happy Valley. I'm so like I'm not I'm not really like too disappointed in you, Trevor, because I know you like Notre Dame and stuff. But Matt, I am so disappointed in you. Your sister went to Penn State. You're a Big Ten fan. You're picking the fucking SEC to go to Big Ten country to win. I can't believe this right now. I mean, I I actually like Penn State this year. I do, but just not in this game. So I hate Penn State. I hate that I'm picking them in this game, but I just like. (laughs) All right. <laughs> Maybe I hope I'm wrong. I just I see Auburn going in. I'm I'm very much looking forward to Saturday now because we all like honestly I was looking at a lot of these games. I was thinking you know we might have some consistent picks, but we got a lot of them we're going head to head on. We even got his own known fan of his own team going against his own uh, his own team. Boyle making by uh, by three, baby. Boyle, Laura. Oh. 
I'm about to just say screw it. You know what? I will say Trevor is my favorite sports fan because he has takes. He 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 wears his heart on his sleeve, but like he's the fan that like first game of the season yesterday, the Patriots give off give up a touchdown in the opening drive and the season's over already. <laughs> so the fact that he picked Purdue to win the game is not surprising. I'm just, honestly, I'm surprised it took three weeks to t- to do this. I can't believe you went against the Purdue. I honestly would have been like not surprised if he did it again the Cincinnati game, but like the fact that you picked Purdue, I think you're going to be very, very depressed Saturday when we have to do the show again on Monday, and you're going to have to justify why you picked Purdue to beat Notre Dame. We call it what do we call that an insurance bet? Like I'll be happy if they win. I'll Brian calm, Kelly's going to want you executed soon. I mean, I, you're dead. I'm honestly about to change my pick. You're picking Purdue. You know what? Fuck it. I'm I'm changing my pick. I'm oh. picking Nebraska to be Oklahoma. Put that in right now. There it is. <laughs> All right, the show is is still going. I'm I'm giving it to him. Nebraska Zach wrote it down. Book it. Right what there. Kind of, what kind of drugs are you taking over there, Zach? Holy crap! Holy crap! I can't wait till that game is a complete out of hand. I look like an idiot. But you know what? I'm dying on this hill. I can't reverse Spencer Rattler. So, uh, I'm just going to pick against Oklahoma every week. So, so we're going to be winding down here. But speaking of losers, and I kind of feel bad for the guy, but is there any bigger of a loser to the, what is the, the offensive lineman that proposed to his girlfriend as Jacksonville State's celebrating on the field because they won in the last second? Like, I, I mean, I get you want to do it on the field, but could you just – I don't know, swallow your pride for a second and, like, wait till afterwards when your girlfriend is consoling you, like, sorry you lost, honey. On the field while the other team is celebrating? What are you doing, my man? I mean, he, hey, I actually think he's smart. He must be thinking ahead. He probably thought of the schedule in his head after this loss. He's like, I don't know what game we're going to win this year if we can't even beat Jacksonville State. Am I ever going to have a chance to propose to my girl after a win? Like, I, it might not even come. So he, I give him props for just, like, sucking it up and saying, hey, you know, let's be real with ourselves. We're not going to get a lot of Ws on this home field this year. So let's, let's just do this now. He's setting the bar low for himself, so I guess he's got that going for him. So he won't really have to really commit to too much. After way. he's like, hey, you know what? If there's any problems with the relationship, you can be like, hey, listen, you accepted my proposal after we lost on a Hail Mary to Jacksonville State. So that's kind of where he's sitting at right now. I just peeked out in the living room to see if my girlfriend was there. I was going to ask her uh, how she would feel if I played for a D1 school, like caliber program like Florida State, and then we lost on a Hail Mary to a, like a non-Power 5 school or FCS school for that matter. And said, "Would you? How would you feel about a proposal if I did that after that embarrassing of a loss?" Um, I don't know, man. I, I guess football is just a secondary thing to him. I mean, I condemn him that he can just kind of get over a loss like that and just focus on his personal life. But man, I, I'm I'm a crazy uh, sport junkie, and uh, I would not think ever ever think about doing that in that kind of moment. So I think that's pretty ridiculous. Atlantis Morissette was singing ironic while this was going on. I mean, that'd be a perfect time for the song, no? <laughs> yeah, crazy. Oh, uh, I get my phone died. Was there anything else on the list you guys wanted to talk about from week two? Uh, I mean, I think we've got everything covered. If you want to say anything, Zach, I think I'm I'm, I'm good, and uh, we'll see what crazy week three will bring us. No, I think I think we covered mostly everything. Uh, we talked about a bunch of stuff. Like I said, I know I'm being a little erratic with this Nebraska pick, but I think it's fun, you know, when we go into the weekends and you know we we, we have some jokes about like picking teams. And let me just say this before the whole thing with Oklahoma. I'm 
I like I I know Oklahoma's offense is talented, but I just I, I can't stand the quarterback. So I guess that's why I'm going in there with the chip of my shoulder on uh, on this, and I'm I'm just gonna hold that against them. So, but I think uh, outside of Ohio State losing on Saturday, like it just which which obviously sucked for me. Um, college football that first two weeks have been very very interesting. It will make things certainly interesting if Florida somehow pulls out a win against Alabama this weekend, which we know is not going to happen. But um, that's why we love the sport. It's very intriguing at all times. So this is usually the time of the, the show where uh, I call it why Trevor hates fun. But I'm actually going to start this and hijack it from Trevor for a second. I don't even know if we prepared for this. I don't know how many things. We're going on. No, we're, this is going to be an easy one because I'm sure you guys don't feel much differently or at least have an opinion on it. Streaming services. I am so sick and tired of all these streaming services. We all like TV shows. Like, there's like three TV shows that uh, me and my wife watch: Apple TV, Netflix. Who like? You need a network for fucking everything. And now in Notre Dame is this fucking big school, and they sign a deal for their games to be on fucking Peacock. And like, my beef isn't with Notre Dame on Peacock, but like, why are all these sports on streaming services now? Like, I'm a big soccer fan. Like, now you have to get ESPN uh, Plus to watch soccer. But you can only watch certain soccer games. And then you got the English Premier League that's on the NBC networks. But, like, not all their games are on, are on national TV. So you have to get Peacock for that. Like, I, I originally, like, it was cool for streaming services to, like, be cheaper than cable. But, like, in my opinion, it's not any – if you actually divide it out how much people spend on streaming services, like, you might as well just fucking have cable and just make your life easier nowadays. Yeah, I, I have cable right now. I pay for an uh, exclusive sport package that I have with my provider over here in Fall River. And we bitch and complain about the bill each month here, which sucks. But I get every college football game. I get Pac-12 Network. I get Big Tech Network. I get all the Premier League games. I get Peacock, which I actually was able to watch some shows on there that have moved over to Peacock. And honestly... Um, we just dwindled it down right now to Netflix and Amazon, which obviously Amazon Prime would make sense because we order stuff from there. But like, dude, the whole thing, like, we're talking about all oh, this show is on like HBO Max or this show is on Hulu, and it's like you can't watch everything anymore now because every every TV and every deal has like an exclusive contract with somebody. And it just sucks that like you have to pay for all this. I don't like how are people supposed to afford like a three hundred or four hundred dollar. Uh, bill to be able to afford all this stuff to watch whatever you want you can't it's impossible i like i would much rather get like what you do on cable and just pay a couple extra bucks a month than having 15 different fucking providers of of content coming out of your bank account every month because they can't get their fucking shit together like seriously we don't need all this stuff like i understand everybody wants to make money but it's such a fucking ripoff we all want to watch the same thing. Like, I'd rather just get cable, pay a couple extra bucks, get all the games instead of having 17 different streaming services to be signed up for. And half of the time you forget what you're signed up for, and you don't really remember until it gets taken out of your account. I know. It's like you look at your bill. I'm like, why do I have all, why is my bill so high this month? It's like, oh, I get to charge for Hulu. I got to charge for uh, a couple of shows I bought on YouTube. Or, I, oh, I got to charge for this. It's like it all piles up at the end. And you know, in the moment when you're buying, you're like, oh, whatever, $11 a month, that ain't so bad. And then you start adding all these other shows, and it's just a, it's a snowball effect. It's like, seriously, you talk, I know, I, well, I'll let you get uh, talking in a second, Trevor, but seriously, like, we all have friends, you talk to your friends, and like, 
like what TV shows you're into. And it's just like, oh, you mean you can't watch that on cable? No, you need Hulu. Oh, you need HBO. Oh, you need this. Oh, you need that. It's like literally to watch any any good shows, you have to own a different like network package. It's freaking ridiculous. It is. Yeah, I mean, you know, I we were talking about this in the in the chat before. I was not gonna order Peacock, even though I get it for free, just out of spite. Like you're not gonna tell me what to do, kind of thing. And I listened to the whole game last week on the radio. I was pleasantly surprised. Like I I showed some love to the. And the Notre Dame radio broadcast, they actually have a pretty solid team. Uh, Nashville syndicated, good commentators. Uh, Paul Burmeister, good play-by-play guy. Ryan Harris, former NFL player, offense lineman for the Irish. He, he, you know, that was a good good team. I might, going forward, I'll see if I can maybe sync up my TV with my radio uh, for future games because I, I was uh, very happy with the radio broadcast the other day. So uh, that might be the the silver lining from me missing the game on, on TV. So. You're lucky. I, I, a lot of people at Ohio State like Paul Keels and Jim Lachey, those guys. I like Jim, but Paul's a little too monotone for me. There's not a lot of excitement that comes from him. Everything's, he's, he kind of reminds me of uh, Pat Summerall. Everything's kind of like the same, no matter what the game is. And, you know, I like guys who call the game well, but I like guys like Brent, like Musburger, for example, who like they're good at calling the game, but like when there's a big play and stuff, there's some excitement. Can't be monotone all the time. And so. Mm-hmm. All right, boys. I think that's a uh, a good note to end it on. I got to go cook some dinner. A pleasure yeah. as always. I'm actually really looking forward to this Saturday. We differentiate on some picks, so it's going to make for a good show on Monday. And I really look forward to Trevor on Monday explaining why he went against his own team against the fucking Boilermakers. Hey, man, don't sleep on the Boilermakers. So uh, we'll see Monday, right? <laughs> All right, gentlemen, have a good night. Wait, before you log off, I just have this to play. Oh, it's not loading. I had the Nebraska Cornhuskers fight song. Taking out Oklahoma this weekend. Let's do it. Oh, boy. Don't bet the house on that one. You know what? I'm almost rooting for Spencer Ryder to have six touchdown passes now. (laughs) Probably will. (laughs) Talk to you later, guys. Later, guys.